Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. We got plenty on the docket today. We got Lamar Jackson, that situation continuing. You know, it's very fluid. Dan Snyder, one of our favorite guys. I think we've given him multiple Darwin Awards over the... uh, Well, him (laughs) and his team. True. True. Been in, you know, where does it where does it lie? How much does he get those Darwin Awards when it's just the Commanders? Yeah, we're gonna have hockey talk. We're gonna have basketball talk, and for one of the first times ever. Now we did this when the live thing first broke, so we have talked golf before. We're gonna have some golf talk, and we got a special guest on the show today, Joe Rocha. Joe, say hi to everybody out there. Hi, everybody. Glad to be on the show. Thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to. Uh kicking the show off and talking some golf. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, Jesse Caulfield, writer for the Yockey Way Report, is here. Dominic Lorenzano, as always. We're in here to give you everything. And uh, Jesse, you have a... You have a very explosive, I would say, I, I wouldn't call opening segment. No, I, th- I kind of would. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think so. Okay. Because I'm not going to use the words I used <laughs> when telling you about well yeah you're gonna be professional about it yeah we're gonna as professional (laughs) as i can be as professional as we are all right well anyway with that jesse caulfield why don't you get us started yeah i mean i kind of figured this was going to happen eventually this little talk um the tuka rask conversation if you will Mm -hmm. uh but you know a video came on the my internet my uh facebook feed i don't know i can't even remember if it was an ad or you know the algorithm will it but uh, Adam Jones appeared on my newsfeed. Apparently, he's at WEEI now. I did not know that, formerly of 98.5. But yeah, now he's on WEEI, annoying me on that channel now, too. And uh, so let's start this two Rask conversation. So he came on the video, started off with just out of the blue, from, just from the top rope, just saying, just talking down about Tuka Rask. And he came on and said, I mean, this isn't the exact quote, but basically, if the Bruins win the cup, he doesn't want to hear from the Tuka Rask people ever again. People like me, the Tuca defenders. Uh, and he went on to say, if you win with, like, Buffalo's goalie Linus Olmark and fourth-round pick Jeremy Swayman, again, he doesn't want to hear from the Tuca Rass people again. And that really confused me. And, like, when I watched the video, there was kind of, like, a silence of, like, we don't exactly know the point you're making, but we, we're just not, we're just going to laugh and not really dispute it. Because no one really added anything, or he just kept rambling. But you know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure what he's, the point he's getting at here. I get it. Bruins fans don't like Tuka Rask, blah, blah, blah. We all jump on that bandwagon. But I don't get how this proves he sucks. Because we're talking about a historic team here. Team who is on pace for the, the most points and wins in team history. Currently 48, 8, and 5, 101 points, an 828 point percentage, and a goal differential of 103. So the next closest teams are Hurricanes with 86 points and the Devils with a plus 53 goal differential. Not close. And this uh, elite team here is currently 8th in power play percentage, 1st in PK percentage, 2nd in faceoff percentage, 8th in shots against per game. Sounds pretty good. Pretty good defense is what it's kind of sounded like. Uh, this team also is doing some amazing things. David Pasternak will go over 100 points this season, guaranteed as long as he stays healthy. Tuka Rask had that once in his career. Brad Marchand hit 100 points exactly one time. Uh, David Postnock's also going to hit 50 goals this season. Again, if he stays healthy. Tuka Rask never had someone like that. Would have been nice. Uh, three of the top five players in plus minus are Bruins defensemen. Three of the top five. I know that's an archaic stat. We don't talk about plus minus that much anymore. But also five of the top ten in the league 
our Bruins players for plus minus. Would have been pretty nice to have that in front of your goaltender. Also, here's another stat. Do you know the Bruins have actually zero players in the top 25 for average time on ice per game this season? What does that mean to you average, I guess, hockey fans? Well, that means that we have a team here. We're not relying on one player's T-E-A-M across the board. Everyone's comp- com- uh, contributing. Everyone's playing. Uh, and we don't suck. If you look at the top uh, 25 players, it's a lot of, like, you know, Kale McCarr is number one. Avalanche are not that cup contender team they were last year. And there's a lot of crappy teams with one real good player who has to log all the minutes. We have a luxury where we don't have to deal with that. Uh, but when Tuca was playing, Char was pretty much that 25-minute-a-night uh, guy. We don't have that anymore. But now, you talk about Allmark and Swayman. Uh, they are currently, for goalies, first and third in goals against average. Uh, first and seventh in save percentage. First and tied for 21st in wins, because Swayman missed some time with an injury. Uh, that is, must be really nice for Allmark to have a backup of that magnitude. Tuka Rask never had a backup like that. I mean, he had Halak at the end, but that's just not the same. It's not the same. These are two almost elite goaltenders that could be starters on any team. Uh, And these stats are a fluke. First and third in the entire league in goals against average. Your backup is third in the entire league in goals against average. That's insane. That's a pretty insane stat. Uh, But you know what? That's, again, like, that's the team of, like, this team is elite. This team is Way above everyone else, and Tuka never had that luxury. But then you talk about the draft pick. Oh, Swayman is a fourth-round draft pick. I never want to hear about Tuka again if they win the cup. He's a fourth-round pick. You're an idiot. Do you know anything about hockey? Do you know anything about how these people are drafted? Goalies are drafted for only for need. Let's look at some of the best goalies in the league right now. John Gibson, you can make the argument he's the best goal in the league. He's just on the Ducks. He had... Three fifty goal save games last week. One of the best goalies in the league. Second round pick. Only, only second round. It's pretty good. How about Sergei Bobrovsky? Uh, not really what he used to be anymore. He's on the Panthers. Uh, kind of not that great now, but still, he's had some great years. He was the Vezina Trophy winner in twenty thirteen and twenty seventeen. Undrafted. Undrafted. Uh, Igor Shosturkin definitely hailed the best goalie in the league last year. Not even close. Late fourth round pick. Uh, Jonathan Quick. Won two cups with the LA Kings. They just actually did him dirty the other day. I'll talk about that later. Third round pick. Connor Hellebuck, 2020 Vesna winner. Absolute nobody when he was drafted. Fifth round pick. UC Saros, back-to-back all-star selections. Fourth round pick. Jordan, uh, Jordan Bennington, third round pick. He's the guy that beat Tukarask in that Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. You're going to look me dead in the eye and say Jordan Bennington is a better goalie than Tukarask because, oh, he won a cup? Jordan Bennington sucks. Absolutely sucks. He had one good year and they stumbled into a cup. Uh, how about Thatcher Demko? Do you know that name, Adam? Uh, he's actually a second-round pick. Was a stud coming out of the draft. An absolute stud. But the Vancouver Canucks ruined him because it's about drafting and developing. They didn't do it right. You're going to look me in the eye and tell me that Carey Price is not a good goaltender because, oh, he didn't win a cup? I didn't know this was the NBA. Carey Price was the elite goaltender of the league. Everyone, he was the gold standard. Oh, but he never won a cup. So by your standard, Carey Price sucks. I don't think so. I mean, we hail Tim Thomas as a god. Guess what round pick he was? Anybody? Anybody? Ninth round pick. I was going to say seventh. (laughs) That round doesn't exist anymore, the ninth round. 
How about Henrik Lundqvist? No one's going to deny his greatness. Seventh-round pick. Curtis Joseph, one of the great goaltenders of all time. Undrafted. Patrick Waugh, one of the great goaltenders of all time. Third-round pick. Dominic Hasek. So basically what you're telling me is ninth. when it comes to drafting goalies, it's like a baseball draft. They, everyone it doesn't. It's tra- irrelevant. It's, it's about development. Yes. No stud. By the way, Dominic Hasek is a ninth-round pick. No stud is, I mean, here's the thing. Goalies are never really considered studs. They all have to be developed. They all have to be. Uh, it takes years. They're like, they're like baseball players. It takes time. This isn't like the stud forwards that you draft that are immediately ready. The stud defensemen that you draft that are immediately ready. Goalies are different. Goalies are generally drafted high if you really need it. I can only really think of one goalie that went first overall, and it's Mark Andre Fleury. And I know he won some cups. But like he had some terrible seasons, and Tukarask way better. Let's talk about Tukarask and his statistics. So he retired at age 34, which is actually kind of young for a goalie, uh, with a record of 308, 165, and 66, uh, 52 shutouts, 2.28 goals against average, a .972 or .921 save percentage. Uh, 2014 Vesna winner, 2020 Jennings winner, and a two-time All-Star. Those are really good stats. Uh, we love to compare him to Tim Thomas because Tim Thomas is the savior that won a cup in 2011. Uh, Tim Thomas, 214, uh, 145-49. Tukaras is better. Less games played, though. Uh, 31 shutouts. Tukaras is better. Again, less games played. 2.52 goals against average. Not close. Tuka's way better. Save percentage, 0.920. So, very close there, .001 difference. That one's close. Tuka won two Vesnas, or excuse me, Tim Thomas won two Vesnas, 09 in 2011, uh, 20, uh, 2009 Jennings winner, 2011 Conn Smythe, two-time All-Star. Pretty similar, I guess, with the trophies and accolades, but the, the, the stats are... I mean, Tuka Rask is a 308 uh, game winner, like I said. That's 33rd all-time, but again, he retired kind of early because of the injury. And is the first all-time in Bruins history, which is an original six franchise, been around for 99 years, and he is the one guy to eclipse 300 wins. Pretty talented, in my opinion. Also, all-time, fourth all-time in save percentage. All-time. In playoff save percentage, he's ninth all-time. However, if you're just talking about goalies with at least 100 starts, first all-time. Pretty good. Uh, best save percentage in the league from 2009 to 2021. That's the time he played. So again, his entire time in the league, he had the best save percentage. What other things should you really grade goalies on than how many times do they stop the puck and how well do they do it? Pretty good. Uh, third in sh- uh, shutouts, or excuse me. Yes, third in shutouts, six in wins in that period uh, for active players. And then if we look at his playoff, which is why we sh- crap on him so hard, because, oh, he never won the big game. So his 2013 playoff run where we lost to the Blackhawks, 14-8, and 9-40 save percentage, 1.88 goals against average, three shutouts. 2019, 15-9, 9-34 uh, save percentage, 2.02 goals against, two shutouts. The uh, elite, amazing, godly Tim Thomas, who had the greatest run in history in 2011, 16-9, or he had that 16th win. We'll give him that. Safe percentage of 940, the same as Tuca in 2013. Uh, and goals against average of 1.98. Not as good as Tuca. Not nearly as good as Tuca. You know, when he had those 
two shutouts against the Penguins in the playoffs. Kept Sidney Crosby of Genny Malkin from getting a single point in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I really don't get what you people talk about. I don't get it. Like I read all this stuff for you, all the draft positions, his stats. Where is it? Because he didn't win in Game Six against Chicago. The defense quit in front of him. Is two goals in seventeen? That, that seconds? was the game. That was the game I remember the most. Actually, it's, because that was the one that I was like, everyone always jumped on Tuca, and I was like, they sucked in front of them. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, two they goals were terrible. S- two goals in 17 seconds means an elapse in defense. That's what that means. Uh, so, unlike golf and individual sport, what you're saying, too, is <clears throat> Tuca's not a golfer. He needs a team around him. He does. <laughs> I mean, Goalies, you know, as good as goalies are, you look at John Gibson, I talk about you could make a case. He's the best goal in the league right now, but he's just on a crap team. 50 goals, three ga- or 50 saves in three games last week. If that man had a defense, we would talk about we would hail his name on high every single night. But in he's the, on the pe- he's on the Ducks. Well, in this stats generation, is there any stat or or metric that can measure um, a goalie put in perspective with with the team around the goalie? I wonder how many uh, probably how many goals he has to save per game. Yeah, save save percentage. Yeah, I feel is the percentage. best because you know. It doesn't really put into account like how well, like how quality of scoring chances the shots are. But if you have a save percentage of, like I said, 940 in that 2013 playoff run, that's insane. Like 900. So if you save 90 percent of your, but seeing is there a stat that can quantify if your team in front of you was bad? Oh, which is well, what I was guessing. Probably, well, probably the amount of goals you have to save, right? Well, if you then if you match up the save percentage with the goals against average. That's usually what you see. If the save percentage is really good, but the goals against average is not so good, that's usually the sign of a good goalie with a bad team in front of him. That's right. usually the sign. Because like when I listed the, again, the 2013 stats, great save percentage with great goals against average, uh, pretty good pretty good team you expect all around. And when I listed the stats for Olmark and Swayman and like how they're first, third, first, seventh, and like, ev- like all the major goalie stats, like mm-hmm. that tells me that no matter what, the team is playing well every single night. Well, and then toward the end, he had he had the injuries. Yes, right to his hip. Yes, and then and then he as a, a casual fan of the Bruins, then he he left the team, didn't he, during the bubble year? Yes, that and, was because I mean I don't know the exact what exactly happened, but apparently he his daughter was very sick. Okay, and like as a I mean that's I'm not a, a parent. That's a good reason. I'm not a parent, but I assume and most parents are like because you can't leave the bubble. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, you can't, like, I don't know what's really wrong with my daughter. I'm not there. Yeah. And that, uh, he said that was like eating away with him. Now, okay. again, I'm not a parent. And by, by, most the, by, the bu- by the bubble season, though, he wasn't what he was. No. I mean, there was still like, especially like, they won the President's Trophy that bubble season, but that's because the year was kind of cut short. Yeah. The Lightning were still considered like the favorites, the cup favorites and stuff like that. Um, and that time off really made it worse, mm-hmm. where they had to like uh, stop because of COVID. It was clear when they started up again that even again the team in front of Tuka Rask was not ready. Mm-hmm. They looked they looked kind of slow, sluggish, out of shape. They even came out and said like Pastor and I came out and said like I was so out of shape for that bubble. <laughs> I get you. I mean, to me, this has always just come down to like hockey. You have, I mean, completely different lines that play. People swapping in and out. I mean, yes, you have individual players we all love and and or hate depending on. But it's hard 
to blame someone except for the goalie, who's the one who's always on the ice the entire time. Sure, no, there's So you there's always that. blame the goalie. And Bruins fans, we know how brutal sports fans are in Boston, having won a cup with Tim Thomas. Tuca played with a lot of the players that Thomas did, so we expected that he should have won a title. So everyone just blames Tuca because yeah. he's the one to blame. No, you, no, you're right because he's the, the goalie is the man on the ice. He's the one stopping the pucks. It is easy to point and go, you didn't stop that puck, bro. It's all your fault. Mm-hmm. It, it's so easy to do that. And yeah, we're, we're in an age where Boston sports wins everything. Mm-hmm. I know that's mostly been Red Sox and Patriots, but the Bruins and Celtics have had their moment. And we loved, I mean, I get it. Tim Thomas not only was so fun to watch on the ice because his style of play was so bizarre but worked so well. Mm-hmm. It was just so interesting to watch. And Tuca's so... <coughs> By the book, yeah. Generic, nothing real special when you look at him. Um, But, like, you know, again, Tim Thomas was so exciting, and he just, he won that Game 7. Which, like, if you look at the games they won in that Stanley Cup Final, 4-0, 8-1, 4-0, 4-0. Excuse me, no, one was Mm 5-2. But either way, none none were close, the games you won Mm -hmm. in the Stanley Cup Final. Like, it was kind of pretty easy at that point. Yeah, early leads, stamp, stomping them out. You know what I? You know what I compared to this. Not to disrespect Swayman and Allmark because I'm sure they're good. But when we were talking about this, right, and, and comparing it to Tuca and then what the team is this year, I compared like the Bruins team now to like the Denver Bronco team that carried Peyton Manning to a Super mm. Bowl. Mm. Like you're just so much a cut above. Sure, everybody well, else. Like, it almost doesn't matter who's back there. And that's why Adam Jones is way off base. He's like, oh, it doesn't matter who's back there, so that's why we can crap on Tuca. And I was like, no, 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 no. It only doesn't matter because this team yes. is so ridiculously loaded. Yes. Like, it's absurd. Yes. And, like, again, I don't want to take away from what Allmark and Swayman are doing either. I think they could be – I don't want to maybe use the word elite goaltenders. It's hard to say because this team is so good as a whole. So, But I think they would be absolutely great starting goaltenders on almost every team in this league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the, the Calgary game the other night. Allmark absolutely won the game on his own. 57 saves. Bruins record, by the way. All-time mm-hmm. record. Uh, so there's there are times – very few this season where the goalie has had to win the game and I think you know I think Olmark and Swayman are great goalies and they can do that but they just haven't had to do that like at all other than that Calgary game the other night we haven't had to seen it so again I don't know what Adam Jones is really talking about here (laughs) but again you gotta just jump on to Karask at any point you gotta just put him down at any point F that guy a a case has been made (laughs) I like it thank you I like it All right. so with that we are getting ready to move on we have a lot to cover and it's not the time of year where there's so much going on that people miss the news and all that. So we're kind of going to skip over the news segment. World Baseball Classic is coming up. I'm going to plug that because I'm telling you. (laughs) It's really good baseball. Now, the first round is hard to watch because it's all the way in, like, Japan. So they're on at really weird times. Oh, okay. I I think it meant because, like, a lot of times in the pool play... Like some ta- some bad teams, just like hey, no, even thanks that, for being here. But, but, you got to play Japan. I mean, I guess, but it's baseball, so I mean, bad teams beat good teams all the time. Baseball's so weird, like that. I guess. I you're guess just, if, if you're you're got just a, if on, you got a good pitcher and a couple good hits, not even good, just a pitcher who's on that day. Did you see? Uh, yeah, there was a video that came out. I think it was the Czech Republic team. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is my name and this is what I do. Yeah. They're like, I'm a financial planner. I'm a dentist. Yeah, like, I saw just, that. They're regular <laughs> jokes. Yeah, yeah. Some of the it's, it's that's, bizarre. That's okay. wild. Yeah, it is. All right. So with that World Baseball Classic, I think it starts March seventh. I think, but I, I might be getting up. that mix, mixed up with some of the uh, 
March Madness tournaments. Are teams allowing players to play for their countries and leave? Oh, yeah. Spring, yeah. uh, spring training? Oh, yeah. yeah. The USA is loaded with MLB talent. The DR, Puerto Rico. Uh, oh, the DR was insane. Dude, the DR is always insane. It's, but, like, this year, it was like... Uh, yeah. Is it every four years? Yep, every four okay. years. Yeah. But, yeah, the DR is loaded as per usual. Puerto Rico's really good. The U.S. has some players. Great Britain is in this year, which I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, I thought you guys played cricket, not baseball. Anyway, though, with that, we're going to get into some golf talk. But before we do that, Joe, I want you to talk a little bit. Just introduce yourself, everyone here to the audience here. Sure. Joe Rocha here. Um, I'm a PGA uh, pro um, uh, from from Massachusetts, from the North Shore originally, and um, played golf at uh, St. John's Prep. In uh, in Danvers, I I grew up next to Sagamore Golf Course, so uh, so we grew up. My uh, Sagamore was at the end of our street, so my brother and I was it was super easy for us to get into golf because we just drove our uh, rode our bikes to the to the end of the street and uh, and played. So that was a great start. Uh, we just got hooked um, on golf, and um, you know, still playing many years later. So. Um, yeah, just got really into it, started playing some junior tournaments, played at St. John's Prep, which was great, and then went on to uh, North Carolina State. Um, played a little bit there. I was kind of a, kind of a bench warmer mm-hmm. at uh, NC State, but uh, great, uh, great experiences, great players down there. Um, and then upon graduating college, um, you know, uh, got into the golf business and uh, became a PGA pro. And at that point, you'd sort of choose what what sort of specialty um, direction you want to go. And I've always been interested in, you know, really staying close to the game itself. Uh, so teaching has been has been my thing over the over the last uh, really bunch of years. Time flies. So, you know, 20 plus years as a really pretty uh, pretty much a teaching pro. So right now, yeah, I'm teaching at um, primarily golf country in Middleton. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I see a lot of great people there and, you know, pe- beginning golfers, uh, um, you know, junior golfers, senior golfers and, and everyone in between. So, yeah, yeah nice. Nice backstory there. NC State. That's nice. There's, yeah. there's some good golf courses down in Carolina. Yeah, it's sort of the home of golf. I mean, headlined by ones. Pinehurst. Yeah. Pinehurst is 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 uh you know, the whole the whole town is is um based on, you know, golf and Pinehurst number two, one of the famous courses in the in the world. Mm-hmm. All right. So I mean, obviously one of the biggest stories with golf continues to be when we watch each the PGA and the Live Tour comparing them. I know I feel like it's calmed down a little bit, but if you play on the Live Tour, you're still not allowed to play PGA ones, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. So it's it, it's really hard for me. I mean, I you know, in talking to a lot of people about the positives and negatives about PGA Tour versus Live Tour, probably the best angle, so to speak, that um, that I've heard and that I that I believe in is you want the best players playing your tour. Mm-hmm. And right now the PGA tour has said to the players that have decided to go to live that they can't play, mm-hmm. which I, I get the argument, but on the other hand, we as um, golf fans mm-hmm. uh, want to see the best players play, you know, the PGA tour and some of the players, on the PGA Tour, also want to be 
um, competing against the best players um, in the world. I mean, now some some lesser players maybe maybe they wouldn't admit it, but they don't mind that they, that, that uh, you know that uh, you know what uh, I don't know how many they're up to now, but uh, you know about forty uh, between like forty and sixty of the best players in the world are not able to play the tour, so it's 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 an opportunity for some of the lesser players. But no, I would I would like to see the live players be able to still play the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like probably, you know, things have calmed down, but I, I think that's still a long, long way off. They, they, what, what, what did come out recently was that they are going to be allowed to play the four majors. I did uh, see that. So that was no pun intended, a major development. Really? <laughs> it, it really was seriously, because that was a, you know, it starts to become uh, the first you know, peace offering. Yeah, big big egos involved, and you know, for for the Masters, the chairman of the, of Augusta to sort of um, decide against Jay Monahan on the PGA Tour was was sort of sort of a big deal and a win for the Live players. And you know, I I think it's six Masters champions play on the Live Tour. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, the Masters, the famous Masters dinner on Tuesday night, there'd be six empty chairs, and yeah. uh, and including you know probably one of the more famous golfers in the history of the sport, Phil Mickelson, to to, to, tell, to tell him that he couldn't play would be I think a stretch. So. You know, it, like I said, it's egos. I, I was at the country club at, at the U.S. Open last year and standing on the tee, and you, know, you watch players come by, come through, and, you know, there, there's there's some people watching, of course, but then when the top players come through, you know, Bryson DeChambeau came through. There's such a great energy mm-hmm. around players like that. I mean, you're inspiring, like, the, really the next generation of player. Mm-hmm. You, know, you see uh, kids and you know, people are excited, and and to, to to take that away from the tour is mm. it, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a big decision that they made that they're going to have to live with at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think live golf can last though? Because I've looked up like some of the ratings and stuff like that, television ratings, and it they pale in comparison to the PGA Tour still. So, do you think the PGA Tour could literally just maybe wait live golf out and they'll go under and they can just say, hey, come back, guys, maybe in for. A cheaper price. Man, the Saudis have a lot of money, though. Yeah, they have an endless supply of money. They do, but uh, you know, they say that at some point they do want to turn a profit, of course. But um, you know, Greg Norman is behind it, and and Greg, if you know Greg Norman, uh, he's he's sort of a sort of a renegade. I mean, my growing up, he's he was my Tiger Woods. You know, Greg Norman. I mean, he came from Australia and had the. The blonde hair, and uh, maybe we're going to talk about Arnold Palmer, I think, a, a little bit later. It's yeah. the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But, um, you know, hit it hit it a long way and, you know, really captured the imagination of, of a generation of golfers, Greg, and he carried the PGA Tour. Now, his his one of his big um, ideas was to start a world golf tour, which he pitched uh, to the PGA Tour and they turned it down. But later, they did use his idea, and there are World Golf Championships now. They're largely, I think, match play events, yeah. if you follow the tour at all. There, there are a couple of events during the year that basically it was Greg Norman's idea uh, that the PGA Tour now is sort of cashing in on. So this is, Greg, I think, has always had in the back of his mind that, uh, you know, maybe the PGA Tour... 
you know, he was wronged by the PGA Tour, and this was his his opportunity to to uh, see a tour more in his vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. And we'll get into the PGA Tour, you know, some of the events that are coming up, some guys you like to watch, where the PGA is at right now. Let's, let's, you transitioned it well, actually. I thought I was going to have to transition it. You did a great job. Let's get into live, right? And we talked about the ratings. We talked about it with you this before the show, right? And live has made, I mean, they have shelled out some money to get some names, you know, on this, oh, on yeah, this huge. tour. And, and unfortunately for them, sometimes some of them are not paying dividends Brooks Kapka comes to mind we'll talk about Brooks in a little bit but the problem that Liv has here is I mean I think it was the last event they did when you have a bunch of no names who are here down the stretch people are just tuning out <laughs> yeah you, you you we were talking earlier you, you were saying the ratings I didn't check the ratings but I guess they were they were way down yeah if you're like a real serious golf fan like I was still watching because Charles Howell the third won the tournament. Now to a non-golf, don't, don't you think some serious golf fans though? I mean, clearly you 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 really just you're a purist. You enjoy it all, but right. you don't think some serious golf fans are like traditional in the sense of like oh, I'm only going to stick with the PGA. I don't want to want. Oh. I don't want to support live. Oh, totally. And okay. you know it's 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 a little corny. I mean they've they've um, they've come up with a team concept as well. Which is not what we're used to with with golf, right? It's an individual sport, so they've come up with four uh, four man teams, um, and they've named them named them sort of corny names, you know, crushers and uh, you know, high flyers, and so it, it, it's a little it's a little on the corny side, and um, I think this is this is maybe going a, going a little deep, maybe a little off topic, but I think like with sports. It's almost like we see ourselves on the field, you know, as as uh, fans and like like the PGA Tour kind of sucks you in as a viewer because it's like you coming down the stretch and okay, can they hang on? Are, you know, are they got the waters on the right and uh you know, it's, it's it's a long hole. The wind is from, you know, left to right. Can they execute under the pressure? Mm-hmm. You know, and we almost feel like we're in it with them. And if they can pull it off, it's like we feel like almost we've accomplished it, too, with them. And, you know, with Liv, it almost takes that away. Mm. You know, now Liv, in the back of your mind, it's like, OK, well, he did sign for a hundred million dollars, you know, up front. So coming down the stretch, I'm not feeling I, 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 from a, um, you know, golf, um, you know, prof- golf instructor, professional uh, point of view, I, I, like you said, I love it all just to see um, even the technique and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, who's playing well that week. But yeah, the, 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 the real, um, you know, deep level of interest and, um, you know, connection doesn't seem to be there with Liv, so they have a little bit of an issue with that. Now, other sports, like we were saying, they they they're under contract, mm-hmm. and for the most part, we don't question their competitiveness. So, can golf can golf segue from that? You know, uh, you know, being paid based on performance, mm-hmm. you know, versus being you know sort of under contract. I mean, if imagine if some of these other sports, uh, you know, LeBron James, he, if 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 they don't win the game, he doesn't get paid. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be weird. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's very foreign to, to the way the rest of the sports run, but that's the way golf has always run. It and is. yet Liv is changing that. And and to your point, maybe sometimes 
in some ways it takes some of the intensity out of it, at least as a viewer, when you think about it. Because, I mean, especially with how public it was, too. If it hadn't been as public, maybe it wouldn't be in the viewers and, and the fans' like minds. But it was so public that, you know, Bryson DeChambeau got whatever, I, I, like, you know, Brooks Kepka got whatever he got. You know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. it was in your face that we all saw, holy crap, like, that's a ton of money shelled out for a contract, not for winning a, you know, an event or anything, just to be on the tour. The PGA Tour has had such a nice, wholesome reputation, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, a lot, you know, giving which not not nothing to laugh at. I mean, they've they've given more to charity than than any other sport. I mean, it's it's off the charts how um, how much good the tour has done and and what they represent. But yeah, it, like you said, with Liv coming along, it 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 was sort of a black eye for the tour. You had um, Phil Mickelson who had that. Again, like that wholesome sort of, um, you know, persona to to the fans, um, sort of turning on the tour. Is, you know, is it was uh, you know kind of uh, uh, shook shook the foundation of yeah. of fans and in the tour, and it's still we're still feeling the the tremors, right? Yeah, no, I, you know, absolutely, absolutely, and we're gonna get to the PGA in just a sec. What are some of the big names here on the Live Tour that need to get it right? that aren't playing well, especially in the last one. And do you think they can get it right? Yeah, I mean, I think Bryson, we mentioned Bryson DeChambeau. I think he's he, he he's someone that even the non-golf fan, he can bring the non-golf fan in, mm-hmm. you know, to watch. Um, uh, who else? Uh, well, Dustin Johnson yep. is, 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 is a cool, cool figure in golf. Um, yeah, so I th- I think it falls on Bryson. Um, I think it falls on Dustin Johnson. Um, and then I'm drawing a, a little bit of a blank uh, right now. But I think Bryce, Bryson DeChambeau is a big one uh, to lose to, to to live. But yeah, like we, we were saying earlier as well, like that those those like guys, it's pressure on them to play well. They gotta to play, play well. well. Which they is have ir- to be in it down the stretch. Which is ironic, be right? Because you know those those guys left and signed big contracts and maybe could sort of ease off the off the pedal. But in the end, the <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the end. Um, like, like any, you know, all of us, you know, with, with job, we, we just want to, you know, do our best and put our best foot forward and perform well. And, and, um, and, you know, the consumers are the, are the fans. Mm-hmm. So it's, so it's really, yeah, it is on them to, 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 uh, to, to play, to perform well and play well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, I was just, um, is Rory McElroy with the lip golf? Rory has been, Opposed to live. Okay, because like I, I know that I heard some drama involved with Rory McIlroy recently. I wonder if that was anything involving any of that. If not, yeah. we don't have to touch on it. No, it's. I think it's. I think it's. It's totally, totally appropriate because Rory has been uh, opposed to live um, golf, saying that you know it's not all about it's not all about the money and um, things like that. It's tough with the with the guys at the top. The top top echelon of golf. It's tough to um, to really, um, you know, what what, what it it, it kind of almost doesn't matter for them. They're gonna do really well either way. Um, so, but Rory has been outspoken 
um, against Lib. So it's 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 really too bad because you've almost had to with this situation you've almost had to choose sides. Mm. And Rory has quote chosen the side of the PGA Tour, and now you almost don't know what's genuinely coming from Rory and what is what he thinks he needs to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so that's a tricky thing right now about Rory. You really, you really, to me, you don't really know exactly where he stands, you know, but publicly he stands firmly with the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Him, Tiger, yeah. Justin Thomas, those are the three main the big figures still with the PGA Tour. I mean, why the heck would Tiger not? Tiger's made so know, much money the with the, the PGA, tour. and like, there's no reason for Tiger to go didn't, anywhere else. Didn't they offer him a yeah, bunch oh, of money? A billion dollars, I think, to Just to, to, just to, to sign go. on? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he doesn't need any more. But he doesn't need it. So why would he do that? He's not going to, he's not, you know, it wouldn't have been good for his image. Probably not. Which has always, you know, taken a hit since, you know. It's been, yeah. Yeah. Now it's been a while, but still, that doesn't mean you're in a rush to go back to it sure. just to get a bunch of money that you don't actually need. It sort of makes sense. Like you, you had like Tiger was coming on the heels of Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. Mm-hmm. So there was that real deep sense of, um, you know, responsibility mm-hmm. to, to sort of carry on what, what they built. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you have Tiger and then you had like a little bit of a generation who felt the same, but now it's gotten to the point where you know the Jack Nicklauses, the Arnold Palmers, the Byron Nelsons, the Ben Hogans are so far in the rearview mirror that the new player doesn't really feel any responsibility. And you could say maybe you know maybe they 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 should they shouldn't they it, it's not it's not necessarily something they should feel like they they have so. It almost makes sense in the world we live in now with all the, you know, the opportunities, the social media, there's, um, you know, that 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 the live tour exists and that these players have now, you know, another option other than the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you bl- you can't it's hard to blame them really with the amount of money that they're oh, yeah. that they're offering. Oh, yeah. You know, so for the PGA Tour to to. um to uh, treat them, you know, um, you know, badly for making it a, you know, a decision, you know, that they thought was best for them and their families and, and things I think is, um, you know, is kind of too bad. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about the PGA Tour. Where is the PGA at now? I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about some big events coming up. You can talk about that. But also in relation to Live, right? We've talked about some of the fallout and the backlash. Has Live made the PGA make some changes though, right? Yeah, that's the thing about it that's 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 hypocritical, ironic. So so film and this is the thing too, I mean, with all the we'll call it egos involved, almost the um the um the the essence of the issues with the tour really were never really delineated. Like mm-hmm. you had say Phil Mickelson who was uh disenchanted with the way that the tour was operating um um and what did you sorry i lost my train you you asked where the tour is right now yeah the pga and also didn't live has live made the pga make oh, at least yeah, some the changes, changes the changes sorry yeah. um yeah. <laughs> getting a little bit older uh, um so anyway um yeah so the ironic thing is is that the tour did not want to make any changes right so phil mickelson you know, the thing is, you can you can get to an event. So the, the, 
the event is Thursday through Sunday. There's a cut after Friday. So you could get on, you could, you could, you could fly in, come in, play Monday, Tuesday practice round. You could play Pro-Am Wednesday, play Thursday, Friday. You've been there the whole week, accumulated expenses, you're, uh, and you're paying for your caddy as well. You don't quite play well enough to make the cut, and you leave that town after a week with zero dollars. So it's 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 um at the at the highest level of competition and in the best tour in the world you would think they would maybe you know treat their players a little bit better. a little bit better <laughs> you know so so that's I think I think that's in part what Phil Mickelson was 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 um was asking for um and and the money was there and the tour really just didn't want to make any changes and like we know in 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 jobs right it almost takes you having another opportunity Mm -hmm. elsewhere for your current employer to make any concessions yeah to make any concessions right which is kind of too bad but that's i think really what happened so now they have what they call designated events and the money is, to use a, it's just, it's stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, the amounts of money, the amounts of money, are, it's silly, mm-hmm. right? You're talking hundreds of million for, um, for the contracts for the players to live. You're talking now, on top of that, Charles Howell III, who just won the live event, won $4 million for the individual. Mm-hmm. And then he won, they have the team aspect, you won another seven fifty for the team. So four point, so he won in one week more than he won, I, I don't no, not during his whole but it's it's crazy money, right? Yeah. So now the tour has responded to answer your question with these designated events. I think they have maybe twelve or sixteen events that they've up they've somehow have magically found magically now. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, 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 they didn't have it before. No, but. no, they didn't have it before. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, Jay. I love Jay. I actually played junior golf with Jay Monahan, the the okay. um, yeah yeah the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Did you really? I did. <laughs> and um, I saw him. A friend of mine got a kick out of that. So we were at uh, the Deutsche Bank. They had the tournament um, at TPC, and they don't have it anymore. But a few years back, he said, "Hey, Joe Roach is here," and and Jay's like, "Oh, Joe." So we we talked for a little bit, but it was it was pretty fun. But um, no, so Jay all of a sudden somehow Jay found. A couple hundred million dollars lying around, and, <laughs> just, lying, just lying around, yeah, just, lying just, around. just lying around. Yeah, and and also I think so. So he so the elevated purses, uh-huh. these quote designated events, and also now they 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 are responding to that situation where a player caddy can come in and make make zero dollars for the week by they are actually paying every player who. Um, who has a PJ Tour card? Five hundred thousand dollars a okay. year. Okay, which covers basically expenses. Yeah, I would say right. But at least, at least you're not losing money to show up just because you couldn't make the cut. Right, right. So I think um, what they were asking for, which again got sort of lost in the whole debate, live versus PJ Tour. Mm-hmm. I think what they were asking for was, I mean, Phil is sort of a Phil Mickelson is kind of a. Somewhat controversial guy. He's a well-liked figure, but he's also pretty smart. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's he's maybe too smart for his own good. Maybe sometimes he thinks he's smarter than he than he is. He's gotten into some some trouble here and there with things. I know he's he's a big gambler, um, which is which is just public knowledge, really. But um, but no, I think Phil's a smart guy. And it's really too bad that um, the PGA Tour and Phil Mickelson and Put throw Greg Norman in the mix. Those three couldn't 
you know, figure something out before this, you know, because Phil, I think in an interview recently, he even said it, it just in a in, in, in a mo- in, in a moment, uh, he just said, uh, you know, I'm not even sure what like like it happened so fast. Yeah. He He was almost <laughs> like, you know what? I'm not even sure what happened, but here we are, you know? Yeah. I so, mean, you know, there was no... It's not like these guys knew it was going to blow up the way it did. It just, you know, you got offered money to be on this tour. I mean, Phil's not at the top of the game anymore anyway, so, you know. Then they he, started plucking players, though. That was the thing. Yeah. It started with Phil and Greg, and then uh, you hear Bryce and DeChambeau went, oh, and uh, Brooks Kepka. Brooks. Yeah, Brooks, and then... Dustin Johnson, and then add in some of the European tour players like um, uh, Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter, now Thomas Peters. But you know, these I mean, are- but to the point is, is for Phil and a lot of these guys who did this, they just didn't realize that the story in the news was going to blow up the same way it did. At least some of the early ones, I bet. Maybe not. I mean, like this was headline news during other major sports sports seasons for months. Like, yeah, it's like true. It, was, it was wild. <laughs> you know, because... I mean, you had people like Stephen A. Smith talking golf. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> like, first take was arguing about golf stuff. Like, that's not a thing what you ever... <laughs> was, was, was it Cher? Yeah. Have you ever mentioned Cher in, 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 your, in your sports podcast? I, I don't, I, probably I, not. No, we're not going to go there. <laughs> no, any publicity is good publicity, right? I think that, I think she used to say that. So, yeah, so they got some... I good, would disagree when it came to some of those guys who went to live. Yeah. I, I don't think... I, I, I get that in acting and movies. I don't think all publicity is good publicity in sports. But the thing... <laughs> uh, yeah, true. But, <laughs> but the thing about, like, Stephen A., I think I heard him one time say... You know, they were just comparing it to, say, basketball. They were just saying, hypothetically, what if LeBron James mm. um, started playing for a league other than the NBA? Like, yeah. they, they just hypothetically, they couldn't. Well, it starts to, it starts to kind of, like we said, like, like kind of shake the foundation. Now, all of a sudden, Stephen A is used to a certain, even his job mm-hmm. it might change yeah. because now your best players, you know, you're, 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 you're being paid to, to uh, analyze the NBA. Now, all of a sudden, your best players move to the, you know, the European CBA. League. Yeah, 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 the European League. And now, all of a sudden, he's, he's sort of threatened, which, um, and, and just naturally so, just, the human nature so it, it any change look any any change is is difficult yeah. right i i think what this really means is this is the beauty of the free market to yeah. me because you got a bunch of people who weren't getting paid who were getting shafted by the pga and now the pga has had to make some concessions and make life better for everybody else the beauty of the free market it's the only political thing i will say on here yeah um, i would agree <laughs> I, I would agree agree totally and um yeah, I mean, they made a big deal about the Saudis um, and where the money is coming from. Um, but our government does business with them, like. I know. Okay, so you, you 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 said it for me, and then you know you had even Tiger Woods, you know. Plus, you know how NBA does business with China. Like, are we really going to throw stones on who you do business with? Right. Like, so they, they were sort of. They were just sort of. Um, you know, sort of, sort of throwing things up against the wall and kind of seeing what sticks. You know, the PG. I mean, they, they, they actually paid people to protest. Yes, I saw that. You know, I mean, that's that's just how how. That's so petty, isn't it? It's so amazing. it's really where they find too, that money. 
Yeah, that money too, right? <laughs> that could have gone to the players or, you know, volunteer or whoever. They found it under the charity. So- they found it under the sofa. So in the, uh, in the office, but it has gotten it has it has uh, it's interesting and it has gotten you know golf like you said into more of the mainstream. So yeah, well I mean this is so strange. Golf has always been like such a gentlemanly sport, no drama. Yeah, like even when like the Tiger Woods like his marital affairs was all like people loved that because I think they love so much to see not only a superstar going through stuff like that. I mean America is obsessed with superstars falling and that, but to see someone. From golf, someone who's so far seemingly removed from Squeaky stuff like clean, that. Squeaky yeah. clean, usually. Like, yeah, there's never any drama. Like, football players, like, you know, it's off-season. It's the time where they get a lot of DUIs. It happens. They get <laughs> yeah, right, they right. get possession charges on drugs. It's just a thing. You will you never see that for any okay. golf player or anything like that. So, exactly. I'm sure there's been. Like, you know, there's been, like, the, like the, you know, this bad boys at golf. I guess, like, John, J- John Daly was at one. Who's, who's yeah, like, John Daly was a was a drinker, like even, smoker. But even you know. still, like I never heard of him getting arrested or like. No, he's like a beloved figure. But I'll tell you what, Mark, we might want to. You might want to have me back on the show the week after Augusta, the yeah, Masters. I like that idea actually. Because well, that'd be great. Just because it would be great, but also, um, so the majors are allowing the live players to play in the first one is the masters. Mm-hmm. So to your point, I, I think this is where, you know, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods who have backed the PJ tour through all this. Now we're going to play mm-hmm. together with the live players, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, who's a controversial figure. So, I mean, there, there could be a rumble on the range at Augusta. I mean, <laughs> oh, imagine, imagine that. I mean, I mean wild. About, like challenging the squeaky image. So I'd be surprised and I'm not advocating this, but I would be surprised if there was not some kind of altercation. Wow. No, I mean, I don't, again, I'm, I don't want to advocate violence, but no, no, I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. been that to your, it's just been that um, electric, you yeah. know? And like, as much as it, it probably annoys plenty of the old heads and the PGA didn't like it at the time, we've always asked this question when once Tiger is, you know, clearly no longer an elite player anymore and probably will never get back up there again. You know, what is golf going to do? What is golf going to do? I feel like this PGA Live thing has actually ended up being kind of a positive for the PGA in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I definitely could see it for that Masters event. Yeah. How many oh, people yeah. are going to watch just to see if there is any drama? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it's yeah. It's going to be huge. That's the first major that they're both going to play. And on top of that, that just to segue away from, from you know, maybe what could happen. I mean, the, the beauty of it is we're just we're going to get to see... The best players all play together. I mean, even like this week at uh, Arnold Palmer's tournament, Bay Hill, they have a they have a hole there. It's hole number six. It's a par five, and it's a dog leg left that that wraps around this big lake. Mm-hmm. And Bryson DeChambeau, it maybe is now three years ago took a line over the lake that was just like inhuman. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. 
I mean, it, I it's I like, remember that too. you know, so I mean, another thing about sports on, on a little bit of a deeper level is like, it's like, what's possible? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We, 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 you know, how high can we jump? How hard can we throw? You know, how many wins in a row, whatever it is. And, you know, for, you know, how far can we hit a golf ball? And mm-hmm. Bryson comes along and just raises that bar. You know, they were doing it on the long drive mm-hmm. competitions, but not, not in during a PGA tour event. And, mm-hmm. You know, you had pros who were playing the hole looking back you know, to see like, well, where's he hitting it? And yeah. not to mention the fans. So anyway, all everybody's going to be back together. So yeah. the band, the, the whole band <laughs> is back. That will, Augusta. that will be awesome. All right, guys, we're going to take our first quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be a, a little bit more golf talk. And before we get into uh, Lamar and Dan Snyder. So stick with us, guys. We are back here at Slow Your Roll, getting getting ready to continue on with a few last quick topics on the golf stuff. Um, we'll turn it back over to uh, to Joe. Uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Let's talk a little bit that event and also, you know, just Arnold Palmer. Because, mm. I mean, obviously, we can never not talk about Arnold Palmer, especially when this time yeah. comes around. He's got great iced tea. <laughs> Pioneer. That's, that's what he's known for, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what, the half... Uh, Half lemonade, half iced tea. Half lemonade, half, half iced tea. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, oh, that's really good with some Evan uh-huh. Williams bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I mean to, to walk up to a bar or to a restaurant and just say, "I'll have an Arnold Palmer." Yeah, I mean to have a drink named after you. Yeah, I mean, uh, who are there any other drink? I mean, maybe well, maybe Jack Daniels, but I mean, but anyway, um, Jack wasn't a, wasn't an athlete. No. <laughs> No, I don't think there's anyone with a athlete. Right? No, no. Reggie no. Jack, there, there was a Reggie. Now maybe guy. I'm sure there's a drink name after you yeah. in your hometown at a bar. Yeah, but not sure a not a drink. national like a mixed drink called like the Babe Ruth or yeah. something. No, yeah. seriously, like the first but across time, the United States, you walk up no, to a bar. I, I or, can't walk or any in, place and say, "Hey, I want an Arnold Palmer." We all know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I can't walk into a Seven Eleven and say, "Give me a Lou Gehrig or something." <laughs> yeah. No, I remember. So I I worked out of PGA West oh, in work. in California um, for the Jim McLean School just. With you know, getting some training with teaching and things, so that's they say that's where the Arnold Palmer started was at PGA West. So I was there, and um, I mean at the time I didn't. It's just incredible. Anyway, so Arnold Palmer, we want to talk Arnold. Yeah, I mean he came on at an interesting time. Like television, it was the first time uh, golf was televised, and there's Arnold Palmer, um, you know, young guy, you know strong guy, handsome guy, and, you know, was kind of had a go for broke style, mm-hmm. you know, so he was, he was just attractive to, uh, to viewers. Um, and then, it, you know, he, his first master's tournament, they had, uh, they invited some military that, that from the local, uh, military base. And now all of a sudden he has, you know, that's where Arnold's army Mm-hmm. The, the nickname came from one of the reporters uh, nicknamed it and that that sort of take took on like a life of its own but um so he um yeah he he he's he's an interesting figure i mean arnold palmer is the first athlete which is incredible for me to say i'm not i can't believe i'm saying this because he's a golfer but he's the first athlete really to have um an agent mm-hmm. 
you know, which is which is pretty remarkable. So Mark McCormick, you know, with I that's how IMG started, you know, with Arnold and um, yeah. So Arnold really did some groundbreaking things. He has his uh, him and his wife started a hospital, like a PG, pediatric hospital in the Orlando area. That's you know uh, you know an enormous um, you know part of the community down there. Um, obviously his golf stand on. So then along came Jack Nicholas, you know, so it's almost like the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson kind of thing for, you know, in golf terms. So then all of a sudden a rivalry starts with, with Arnie and Jack and they had the contrasting styles with Arnie, you know, um, you know, going for and Jack being more methodical. So yeah, it was, is it's a pretty interesting time. And then, um, he, so he really grew the PGA tour. Right. Him and Jack Nicholas really grew the tour and, um, you know, started the golf channel. Even he even helped grow the, the champions tour as we know it today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the guys kind of like, you know, pay homage, so to speak, to Toronto Palmer and rightly so. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably a, a legacy that, you know, uh, that will last farther than any golfer and, and you know Tiger probably I think Tiger probably has more wins than Arnold and Majors I think and stuff like that but if you want to talk about someone who's changed sporting and stuff Arnold is is a legacy that's going to last even longer than Tiger even though we you know Tiger's the biggest any golf probably guy ever got well right. I mean Tiger came in at a time where I know he was like before the internet yeah so I mean athletes nowadays have kind of that advantage oh yeah of being bigger than anyone could be back in the day yeah so that, but, I that, mean as he talked about you know first one really with an agent and, and one of the big first rivalries in golf and then you got the drink and well, that's yeah. why we gotta you gotta you gotta remember legacy with this stuff yeah that's like how much do you last when it was hard to make your name last mm-hmm. and John D or uh John Daly, yeah. Now, now I'm thinking about John Daly a lot. Uh, we love John. Arnold Palmer is still, yeah. still in yeah. everyone's mouth. So yeah. let's talk about the Invitational. Sure. What are you looking forward to? Who are you looking to watch? You know, watching a little bit, you know, granted, it's just, what is it, uh, round two today, but John Rahm, mm-hmm. incredible. So he's, he's I at saw the top his, of his betting odds were like six to one. Yeah. Which is amazing in golf. Like even as a favorite, six to one, that's like some you yeah. don't see the it's odds that I low know. usually. I know. Yeah. John Rahm like, to be a leader, like because there's so many players in golf, right? You can be the best in the world, ranked number one, and your odds will still usually be, I think, more like thirteen or twelve or fourteen to one. But John Rahm at six to one is crazy. It it seriously is. I mean Rom, you know, he he has it. He has it all, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he has the length. I'm just looking at the leaderboard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, <clears throat> Rom, it's interesting. You know, everybody that comes to me for golf lessons, and rightly so, and me included as a teacher, you know, we, we wouldn't mind hitting it a little further. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We want to hit it a long way. Rom grew up in. Um, Spain, mm-hmm. and one of his sports was uh, high lie. I know, mm. crazy. Have you have you been to high lie? I don't know. Have that is. High lie, you, you take it's a ba- you have a basket, and it's it's an it's an Dom. Have you been? No, I have not. It it was it's no longer like a sport. Mm. 
in America. So you walk in, right? So, you know, you had like the dog track or the horse track, but this was high lies. So you walk in um, to uh, an amphitheater, so to speak, but it's the, the field of play is so impressive. Like it's really tall, but kind of narrow. So it's like a racket. It's like a racquetball court on steroids, like enormous. Okay. Right. Right. And these guys have baskets and you have a ball that's hard, like hard as like a golf ball. And they are slinging that thing against the wall. And I can't tell you exactly how it's scored, but I think, I, I think, I think I you have to catch it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you have maybe one bounce and then have to catch and then sling it again. Well, guys, guys were getting in, you know, obviously you, you can die. I mean, you get hit by a golf ball in the head, you can die. Anyway, long story short, you know, looking it up a little bit, um, the, ironically, the highlight ball travels about as fast as Rom hits a golf ball, you know, off his golf club. So, you know, anyway, back to Rom, he hits it. A, he hits it a long way, which is like a requirement now to compete on the PGA Tour. Um if, if, if you're, you know, golf insiders would or some of the uh, writers would say he has um, an issue with his putting. I really never thought he did. I mean, he he hits it so close, you know, in so often that, you know, you're not going to make him else. But he's a good putter. Um, you know, he's got a good short game, good iron game. He has his own swing, too, which can be helpful. So he's not trying to be perfect with his swing. He's got sort of a homemade-ish swing. Ironically, it's short. It's almost like that high lie um, type of action. And then lastly, I would say just the attitude is almost Tiger-like. You know, he's not, in fact, like, you know, he's sort of walked the line with the live PGA Tour sort of debate he's on the side of just i want to play with the best play i want to i want to challenge myself against the best players and even like he has said the Ryder cup which is um uh, being played in september he wants a he wants the european players from the lib to be eligible for the Ryder cup team because he wants to play against the best Mm -hmm. you know like so and he believes that like i don't know deep down if everyone has that like killer instinct like that really wants to challenge themselves against the best so i think it's like it's all about it's all about rom mm-hmm. yeah any um so you said the first round was yesterday yes any surprises from the first round um you have kurt kitayama which is an inter he's an interesting figure um he 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 had a bad final round i mean i'm talking like he played like like a handicapped player. I think Ooh. it was that no really it was it was crazy and it's actually it's actually good to see a tour because they do play, you know, when we watch golf we're watching the best players in the world obviously, but we're watching the top the the 10 players who are playing the best that week. Mm-hmm. So it can be pretty um unrealistic yeah so to watch Kurt Kitayama I think it was at um, Torrey Pines Mm -hmm. he shot close to 80 during the final round which is which is and it's good to see him back he's on top of the leaderboard right now Mm -hmm. Um, you have Corey Connors he's um, he's a great ball striker he's a Canadian Chris Kirk who won last week he's right up there and uh, Cam Young I think a dark horse this kid Davis Riley I've heard that one. Actually. He has. I don't think he's won yet. 
Um, I'm pretty sure he, maybe he's won once, but I, I love his golf swing. I love his ball striking. You got Adam Scott. Lastly, I'll say Adam Scott's right there too. He's, he's a 40 something and it's good to see he has an opportunity to, uh, you know, recapture the, the, uh, the form with a, it would be great to, it would be great to see him win again. Yeah. All right, and with that, let's move on. The last part, you know, we talked about it with the live stuff. Some of the big names they've come over there. They need these guys to play well. And here's a big name that I was hearing about, I feel like, a couple of years ago as, you know, the next kind of guy who's going to be one of the next stars. And there's been a lot of controversy. Now he, there's talks that he's regretting his move to live. He hasn't played well. And that's Brooks Kepka. Yeah. What is going on with Brooks and his game? Because I'm, like I said, as someone who really didn't follow golf, I knew his name a couple of years ago, and it was like he was some of the next guys that were coming up, and, and he is, he's not played well. Yeah, so so Brooks, he is an interesting figure. I mean, I will say he did have an odd injury. Uh, apparently, um, it was like a non-contact injury. He was, just, he was with his family and slipped, and it was, is the story he told anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, he needed knee surgery right knee surgery and um golf being a you know hard enough you know sport as it is you know to have that that's part of it and then he had hip a hip issue as well so he's had some injuries um he's an interesting one you bring him up because he loves the competition right like they all love the. So you can't be a pro athlete and not love the competition. But he is hyper, yeah, um, competitive, competitive yeah. hyper competitive, right? And and um, and so with Liv, that's the whole question about Liv. Does Liv pro- provide the you know environment where that that a hyper competitive person is going to uh, thrive? So I think. I think he probably misses the PGA Tour a little bit. It's probably disappointed how how that's the rug has kind of been pulled out from under him mm. a little bit because he, you know, before majors in particular, he he would he would sort of feast on, uh, you know, ninety um, percent of the field. Like he knew ninety percent of the field, like. You'd come out and say it like you don't have a chance this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like I, I, I'm playing against. It's me and like five other guys who can like win this week. You know, he loved that. He loved to that intimidation factor and and to feel that that uh, you know that that vibe that he put out mm-hmm. and it carried him. Like it it really spurred him on. I think during the course of four days. Do you think he had a loss of confidence maybe post-surgeries and stuff and maybe that was one of the reasons he went to live? So it was like, it was about taking the money because he was, didn't feel, as you talked about, you know, he's a really head-to-head competition. He liked to put that pressure on and say it. Do you think post-surgeries he, he could have been feeling a lack of confidence and was like, I'll take the money with live here for now? It's so hard when you put yourself in <clears throat> in their shoes. Like, I know, I know. Imagine if, imagine if any one of us like that offer came to us, like in the yeah. mail <laughs> yeah. or on the. You know, you're you're sitting out by the pool. You know, hit down there. He's he lives in South Florida, and he's just you know he's hanging out. He's maybe maybe he just came back from practicing. You know, he's got uh, a tournament coming up next week, and then all of a sudden the phone rings, <laughs> and you have. You know, you, you know, you have this offer, and it's not like you have like 
five years to decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like you got to you have to decide. So, um, but um, but oh yeah. So if the injury um, affected his uh, his decision, yeah, his decision. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, and then he had some swing as someone, issues. I was just say, as a, as someone who teaches golf too, when you watch him right now, as he's going through some of the struggles, do you see a, a mechanical issue or or the only thing has that's he just kind of lost what he does? It is so interesting. Well, now we're into. Oh my God, we're into golf mechanics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep this short. I'm gonna keep, keep it short. short. I, lo- I love my mechanics. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to the golf swing, but um. So Brooks is, he's an athlete, right? And even like we say when kids come, you know, for golf lessons, like our, our mantra is train the athlete first, golfer second, mm-hmm. you know, build the athletic base and then we'll add on the golf fundamentals later. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather see some of these kids go and, and do a, you know, lacrosse camp at 12 years old and then come back and see me at 16. So anyway, that said, Brooks is just a pure athlete, right? So the way he moves is pure athleticism like he's he's from the world of baseball too mm-hmm. so it's like he's said like hey if i wasn't a golfer i'd be you know a baseball player um and um who's to say you would would play mlb or whatever but he's an athlete so the interesting thing and just over the years working with athletes when they sort of transition to golf the to, to be golf specific for a minute the the club face of the golf club is an interesting part of the equipment in golf. You know, you have a bat and the bat's round. You can hit any part of it. As someone who grew up playing baseball but lived next door to a golf course, I could never not swing a golf club like a baseball bat. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not this like that's entirely funny. wrong. It's not like okay. that's, it's, 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 there's a lot because you're transferring energy from yourself to the bat. In our case, we're trans- transferring energy from us to the club. So it's, it's similar, but... Sort of like the, uh, you know, because we, we, we have a lot of athletes who um, come to us because golf provides an, an opportunity that, for them to still compete, you know, but they, they can't play their sport, but yeah. they can still compete in golf. So I say, like, it's almost like the equalizer as someone who doesn't hit it that far. Like, my equalizer is, like, I can control the club face. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can hit it straight, and they're hitting it crooked, even though they're 50 yards past me or, or more. But to get back to Brooks, like, the position, to be, to be kind of geeky for a second, like, the position of his club face I don't love. Mm-hmm. So, so he takes it back kind of closed, um, so the face, in essence, is like a little bit left of target uh, during his backswing. Now, now he has to play. The, the The timing of the golf swing is pretty incredible, right? It's like it's a quarter second from the top of the backswing to impact, and the club's going at, in his case, 120 miles an hour. So to time it all up, it's a, it's a fragile sort of um, balance. And and he, I don't know if he's had entirely like great coaching you know in his um as you know in his in his professional days i think he was just he was going on sort of natural ability oh and so yeah and brooks is interesting because he started Sounds like josh allen but uh, golf a little bit yeah you, you know what i mean so it, it, that's a whole nother show right yeah. it's like you know you have a high school player and he's he's winning like 
every game he plays like Josh, you know, you know, you know what I mean? So, and his mechanic, you know, you're the coach and you see the mechanics and, um, I, I coached at St. John's prep, the golf team. And I asked the, the, the football coach at the time, uh, coach Brian St. Pierre, great coach. But I asked if he worked with quarterbacks, mechanics, being a quarterback himself, he said, you know what? I, I don't much. He doesn't mess around much with the mechanics. So, so for him to say that, I thought that was pretty, pretty, um, that's weird, a pretty bold statement, you know? So, okay. So they're not getting the coaching in high school. Mm-hmm. When do you get, now you're in college. I mean, now it's business. Yeah. I mean, sadly, you, you, as a kid, you don't see that, but we know that. Mm-hmm. You know, coaches making millions of dollars. Are they going to change? So then now you're in the pros. So Brooks Kepka, real quick, he had an interesting uh, avenue to the to the PJ Tour. He went and played the European Challenge Tour mm-hmm. um, just to, you know, get some experience um, playing and winning. And that's what he did. So at that time, what I'm saying is like, you know, he wasn't making like big, big money. So he didn't have like elite coaching. He was just... Winging, Again, it, winging it, going on natural yeah. ability and athleticism. Yeah. Okay, now he gets his PGA Tour card. He has success, and now I, you'd, I'd have to ask ask him. But when did it, when did it become like okay? Now I need like a coach. I need to get better. You can hear that word all the time. Like we're looking, we just need to get better. Like the Patriots, right? Yeah. Like, and so Brooks is probably said, well, um, now I'm at the highest level. I'm not on the challenge tour anymore. I need to get better. And so he recruits a coach, Claude Harmon, who um, is Butch Harmon's uh, son. Butch is one of the, you know, top coaches in the, in the game for a long time. And he, he has been on and off with Claude. You know, so I don't think they have the best. He's back with Claude the last time I checked, but I don't think he's had you know um, a huge amount of confidence in in his in the in the coaching. And then combined with the couple of unique movements in his swing, you really have to be careful as a coach, especially with a player with unique moves. If you if if you if you if you coach him into something that you know doesn't work, they can really derail. Yeah. Like I said, it sounds like the Josh Allen. It sounds like the Josh Allen of golf. What about Josh Allen? Uh, anything in particular with Josh? You, you, uh, you're not a big so, fan of his mechanics? No one's a big fan of Josh Allen's mechanics. Josh Allen is just a freak athlete. Okay. Well, we've talked about Xander Bogarts a lot on the show, about we hate the mechanics of how he swung the bat. Yeah. But like, if you're going to be a 300 hitter, I guess you just let it go, right? Yeah, you do just let it go. But I think Josh is the better example because he is just like a freak athlete who can okay. chuck the ball through a, you know... A freaking battle <laughs> through a battleship, but mechanically and style of play, he does things you would never ever teach. Mm. But I'm sure at points they were like, "Hey, we're having success in winning. How much do we want to mess with this?" And right. then once we got to a pro level, it, it started to rear its ugly head. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's um, Tim T. Te- you know, Tim Tebow comes to mind. I get yeah. you know the mechanic. Like it's like, and then it gets kind of too late. Exactly. I mean, you do have the off season, like you mentioned. You know, you just, and that's what you know. The off season, you know, I'm sure the players are doing it, but it's that's the time where they can kind of grind it out, maybe change the mechanic. Uh, what they add a hook shot. Yeah. I don't know why more players don't uh, <laughs> don't do don't, stuff like that. Don't 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 employ the hook shot. I don't know. But anyway, with anyway, that, can I ask one more? I golf? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll ask one more question. Uh, it's not really on topic of anything we've talked about specifically, but we're talking about mechanics. So, like, as a golfer. Um, 
What are your opinions on the Happy Gilmore swing, and does it really work? <laughs> Happy Gilmore swing is, I think, is great. I, I used to, I used to say like the kids, like, no, no, you can't. No, I, I think the Happy Gilmore swing is great. Um, Certainly would you, fun. Is that, is that how you swing? You, I, I mean, when I go to a driving range, I'm always gonna at least yo give a couple Happy Gilmore swings. I mean, this is the thing <laughs> about this, this is the thing about golf, right? The ball's not moving. Yeah. And we're not moving either. Got to add a I mean, little uh, wrinkle to it. Yeah, so there's no there's no reaction to it. You know, you go to kick a ball, the ball is moving, and you're moving into it. So even baseball, you know, the ball's coming at you, it's moving, you're stepping into it. So a lot of those patterns are present in golf. Like, it, it happened a while ago, but, like, these soccer players, like, just over the years would come for lessons, and they'd be really, they'd hit it really good. And I'd be like, Okay, there's something too as well. It's the same type of thing. Like they're driving energy like from, you know, in their case, like hip, torso to the foot. Mm. We're doing it more through the hands and the club, but it's the same type of pattern. But um, no, the Happy Gilmore is great just to get people moving. Sure. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Step, stepping into it. And yeah, Maybe those things hand are eye. Like, those things, yeah, hand eye. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> do it lefty, do it righty, you know, <laughs> on one leg to, you know. Be experiment, have some fun, right? I, like, I, that. I like that answer. All right, all right. All right, with that, time to change sports. We're going to talk about something we've talked about quite a bit, but, I mean, you know, it, it's not going to go away. And that is the Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens situation. Now, he wants his contract fully guaranteed. Um, he wants the contract fully guaranteed. You know, he's looking at what Arizona has done with Kyler Murray. Particularly, he's looking at what the Browns have done with Deshaun Watson. And here's the thing that a lot of people are like, oh, you haven't won a ton without Lamar. You're not going to win without Lamar. You got to pay him. Da 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 da. And here's the Baltimore perspective, and it's it's pretty simple. But Lamar and fanboys just can't see it. This is not basketball. This is not baseball. The Dodgers have been good for a decade and like championship contenders. Golden State's been a dynasty forever. The only times they haven't really been there is just because they physically fell apart. Like you can last a long time in these sports. I always say it. What does the NFL stand for? Not for long. And Lamar and his mother, who's his agent, and fanboys think about things in terms of the past when he won his MVP. Well, guess what? Josh Allen got Brian Dable and got better. Trevor Lawrence entered the league. Justin Herbert entered the league. Joe Burrow entered his division. Lamar's not even the best quarterback in his division anymore. So we went from Lamar is right behind Patrick Mahomes, or at least the second one behind Mahomes, we'll argue about the distance, to now, is Lamar even top five in the AFC? And it happened quickly, but these guys, they don't think about this. And Lamar is stuck in the MVP year, and the people who want to pay Lamar are stuck in the MVP year, and that's not the reality now. NFL, not for long. It changes fast in this league. And Baltimore is looking at it, you haven't been a good playoff quarterback, and you now have been hurt at the end of the last two seasons. So we can't guarantee you a fully guaranteed contract. We don't care that you're a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson, because he is, compared to at least the last year. But at the end of the day, the second part of this is, the Browns are a terribly run company. The only reason the Browns turn a profit is because the, the product of the NFL, football, 
is amazing. But if the Browns were their own company, they'd go under. They're terrible. Well, and no matter what they and, do, Browns fans show up. Exactly. And and bad businesses don't set the standard for everybody else. And that's what the Ravens are saying. We don't care what the always dysfunctional Cleveland terrible business does. We're the Ravens. We've been a well-run operation for years. They, the Browns don't set the market. So that's what Lamar doesn't get. That's what the fans don't get. And a lot of these media people are just not seeing Baltimore's perspective here. And I think Baltimore's perspective is right. So, I mean, we've said several times, like, if you're Baltimore, like, come on, you can't really, you can't pay that price. And fully guaranteed. Yeah, not for what he is um, and his health. However, I did see something this week uh, that I've been trying to find for the past couple minutes, but I can't find the specific. But a report came out. um, The NFL Players Association gave all the players a questionnaire mm-hmm. about to, to grade your franchise's coaching staff, training staff, and all that. Ravens got a terrible grades. I did see that. For their training staff and stuff like that. And I wonder how much does Lamar and his mother mm-hmm. bring that into play? How much is like, you know, I'm, I'm a, he's from his perspective, oh, I'm injured all the time. That's partly your fault. I'm not getting proper training. I'm not getting the proper uh, treatment when I am injured. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to play for you, I want more money than I actually think. Mm-hmm. I, you know, now that this came out, I'm wondering how much of this stuff plays into. Mm-hmm. Especially when your agent is your mother and that's her baby. Don't mess with her baby. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want his mother to get the money, to be honest, <laughs> more than him. But I, I'm leaning a little bit. I'm not on his side because I still think the Ravens shouldn't do it, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing a little bit more of Lamar's perspective I mean, as I things come out about listen, the franchise and whatnot. I don't think he's Daniel Jones. I don't think he's. I don't think he's often La La Land delusional. I get where Lamar is coming from. It's just at the other, at the end of the day, I get where Baltimore is coming from, yeah. and I side with Baltimore a little bit more. Like the th- the landscape that we're in has changed dramatically since your MVP season. And particularly just in the last two seasons. So. Sure. Do you got some thoughts, Joe? I mean, I guess number one is you need to be able to stay on the field, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, one of, the, one of the great things I saw was, you know, Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. Big game. He played for Duke, right? Big game. Duke versus UNC. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that game? I do remember that game, yeah. What happened in that game? The, the shoe thing you're the talking shoe, about. He yeah. blew out his shoe. Yeah. I mean, where do you ever see that, right? <laughs> I mean, there's there's parallels to go. We're beyond golf right now, but there's parallels to golf. Like, just 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 freak athletes. Yeah. Like, you want, you, you want to see that. I mean, the Celtics play the Pelicans, and the start they put the starting lineup up, and Zion's not in it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, that's such a drag. Mm-hmm. So I think number one is just he... He being just looking at it from a distance, I haven't, I I haven't been super super into um, you know their situation, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Yeah, that that's that's a, that's a problem. And not only that, at the worst possible times, we're talking here end of the season both times, right? We're getting ready for the playoffs, and you're hurt. And and on top of that, did you say he's won one playoff game? I think he's won one, maybe two, but I think I'm he only. Even- I'm not 100% sure. I, one. I think he's only one. It's one at most. I think it's one. This gets back to the goal, the goalie, uh, the goalie discussion too. Like that's kind of a that's kind of a weird way to say it. He 
I mean, has only won one because obviously he's sure, part sure. of the it team. Is, but, you know, he's got a people to throw the ball to. It's a bit different, be, though. I mean, the quarterback touches the ball 60 times yeah. a game. <laughs> well, that's kind of why I made the point of, uh, at least when we were talking, like how goalies are kind of looked at as basketball players or quarterbacks. It matters like how many games you win and how big is the game you won compared to the rest of the NHL, which is statistically. And I feel like the NFL is a little bit like that. Oh, these wide receivers are putting up touchdowns. They're making a lot of catches, 100 receptions, yeah. over 1,000 yards. That's good. Let's pay him. <laughs> yeah. But Lamar isn't winning the playoff games. Lamar isn't winning the Super Bowl, the rings. Or, I mean, any quarterback. So, like, there's a little bit of hesitation to pay him. And there kind of should be. I'm not, the the standard in football is not the worst. Yeah, I like. There's a reason we kind of have some of these standards. Mm-hmm. Some of them are a little unfair. The goalie one, I think, is unfair. But the the quarterback one, I think, is kind of warranted. Especially the world we live in with this, with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, all this stuff, and talking about all these Super Bowls. This is the world we live in for quarterbacks. Yeah. So, and you know, obviously, you take everything with a grain of salt. And and every situation in the NFL is different. But the difference here with Lamar is. You won an MVP. You had the best record in the AFC that year that you won that MVP, right? They've been winning division titles. Like it, this isn't this isn't you were the fourth seed, fifth seed. I'm we're piling on a guy even though his team wasn't that great. No, his team for a lot of this these playoff games has been one of the three best teams in the AFC. You would think that you should have more than one playoff win to show for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other part on this, too. Especially that that MVP season, I'm pretty sure they were one and done in that playoffs. They were one and done. So Yeah. It's a tricky time in the, in the AFC, too, because now, like, all of a sudden, like you said, post-Brady era, you have Mahomes. <laughs> the list goes on and on, right? You have Mahomes. You have um, Joe Burrow. Yeah. You know, tre- Trevor Lawrence now is coming. So, you know, it's you're not you're not – the the guy anymore, but we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, in golf we have Mark Brody. Mark Brody is 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 a guy who did some uh, groundbreaking stats um, analysis on on golfers to determine like what part of the game is is, is most important. A lot of the, a lot of the players will will um, employ you know stats people on their on their team to figure out where exactly they need to improve to. So long story short, like this quarterback thing, it's probably a separate topic, but how do you, like, how do you go about, if we're, if we're, uh, you know, the owner and GM and coach, like, how do you go about choosing a quarterback? I mean, it seems. When you mean choosing as far as draft, that's a whole different thing. I mean, you look at prototype. True. This is one of the reasons I have a, a huge issue with Bryce Young. Um, as far as people trying to pick him, number one, he's not the ideal size. Uh, there's a, it's tough to find a real comp for him in the NFL because he's not a, a super athlete. So you do, no matter the success of the things you like, you have to look at the league and prototype, right? Now, if we're talking about in the league already, what I think and look at is what he has around him, what is the coaching like, right? And you look at, sometimes week-to-week performances. And I don't mean like every week I have a new opinion, but so like when the Cowboys paid Dak all the money they paid him, it was noteworthy to look at the numbers and go, wait a minute, the minute Tyrone Smith is out, Dak becomes a average to below average quarterback. The minute that we don't run, the minute that we don't run for 100 yards or more, Dak's a 500 quarterback. So 
if I'm going to pay you an elite money at the quarterback position in the NFL, which is a salary cap league, you have to be good enough to overcome deficiencies because this is the NFL. Injuries happen. There's going to be deficiencies. When you looked at the numbers and you're like, why is he so bad when Smith is out? Why is he average when when we can't run the ball for 100 yards? That should have been the red flag, right? And it's not real NFL life. Your old line's not going to be always healthy. You're not going to be able to run the ball all the time. This is why Patrick Mahomes is worth every penny. You lose Tyreek Hill. We rebuild the old line the last two years, and yet they're still an elite team. That's the difference, and that's what you have to look at when we're talking about paying big top of the market money. That said, Lamar is an exciting player. Right? Oh, he is. He's, oh, he's, he's so a fun game to watch. Changer. Yes. I mean, he is. Well, and when you're looking at it, like, what exactly do you're looking for in, like, oh, I'm willing to pay this quarterback or that quarterback, it kind of depends on the team. Like, if you look at the Patriots, and I know there was that one Cam Newton, Newton year where we tried it, but for the most part, we're looking for pocket passers mm-hmm. uh, and. We don't care about mobility. We don't. We don't. We don't even look at that stuff. Now, at the NFL, it's very preferable to have at least a guy that can move the pocket, move yeah. outside the pocket, throw on the run, stuff like that. And I get that. But some some teams will put in, like you said, what was it like, the ability to overcome? Yeah. Every team is looking for that, but they want it in a different style. Mm-hmm. Uh, our coaching staff really plays on a mobile quarterback. We want him just to be able to move the pocket, and he'll overcome like that. We want him to be a pocket passer. He'll overcome with his strong arm and his ability to see downfield, stuff like that. So it really kind of varies team to team. The problem with Lamar is, sure, he's very hard to get your hands on. He's a very mobile quarterback. But it doesn't matter when he moves the pocket because he can't throw downfield. And that really that really puts a cap on how much money you should pay him because that puts a, that puts a cap on what he can do in a, a situation like if we've talked about it so many times, if you need to rely on his arm at the end of a game, it's a we, problem. We don't trust him. Yeah, and to make him work, you need very specific athletes, right? Like Marquise Brown doesn't work with Lamar. He's small. It's a small target. It's, it's too small for a guy who's not a naturally great thrower of the football. Andrews works. He's a tight end. He runs the intermediate routes. He's a big target. Rashad Bateman is a very tall, very big wide receiver. We saw him start to hit his stride early in the season last year with Lamar until Bateman got hurt. So you also need very specific kind of people around Lamar to make him work as a a thrower of the football. Someone like Marquise Brown is talented. He can work other places, but he doesn't work with Lamar. And it makes it a problem, too, then when I start paying you $45 million, fully guaranteed, then I don't have cap space, you know? Yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's an amazing thing how like we were talking about you talking about with the goalies it's just same thing like yeah. how to build a team a team you know it's and, it's and the situation now with Baltimore is I don't know what they're going to do if I was Baltimore I would franchise tag him and trade him this year and the reason why I feel like you have to trade him this year is if you wait and you franchise tag him this year right. Then we get in the next year. You still don't want to give him the contract. Lamar seems completely unwilling to bend on what he wants. You're going to have to franchise tag him again. No one franchise tags a player a second time in the NFL because if you franchise somebody again, the amount of money you have to pay him is like absurd. Like we're talking 50 million plus. The NFL, everyone around the league is going to go, there's no way you're going to do that. So you have to trade him now, which lowers the market value because... Now every team knows you have to trade him. So to me, the Ravens, 
they they have to do it this offseason. You either trade him or you're just going to give in to, the, to his contract demands. That's this what is, to me is fascinating about this situation too. D- don't worry, I'm going to come back to Lamar real quick. But okay, I've got a thought on on gambling. So most people, <laughs> this is coming right back to Lamar. Believe me. Yeah. Imagine if we all just bet the opposite, mm-hmm. because we all lose, right? Mm-hmm. So just pick, pick, pick your your winner, and then yeah. bet bet the loser, and and we'd all win. Yeah. So. I, <laughs> Okay, that aside, <laughs> I think they should let Lamar go. Yeah, I re- I, just, I just I mean you don't let him go. You franchise tag him. You well, trade him because you yeah, need something. Yeah, yeah. I say trade. I say I say kind of like the the, the 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 momentum is sort of to and maybe in the league too with like past um, uh, instances with this the comps mm-hmm. in this situation. Teams like Dallas have just have just. Signed. Yeah. They've signed the player. I think you do the opposite in this case. I yeah. think you let him go. It could be great, like like you said. It, maybe he gets on a team that's higher up in the the rankings of the, uh, you know the um, the way they they're treating their player. So I think it could be I think it could be a win win for the Ravens and Lamar if you let let Lamar go. Yeah, I, I, that's where I'm at too. I feel like for a lot of time, media and and most people, I feel like it was seventy thirty. Most people saying they should pay him. I feel like it's starting to get a little better. I think it's getting down to the 60, 40, 55 range. Well, when that report came out a little while ago that they were apparently $100 million off. Which is like baseball numbers. Yeah, That's like, not a thing in a, in a salary cap sport like football. Usually. Yeah, like I couldn't even like fathom. Like what are these numbers that these people are throwing out here? Yeah. Like that's, I think that's when people started to. And then Lamar like had that like, he's putting the like stuff on Twitter or Instagram yeah. and so like slowly Lamar has and it was weird the injury at the end of the year like it seemed like he didn't want to play yeah so slowly he's made he's turned people against himself why is why has Lamar back to Arnold I can't help it I just go back to that's golf fine. right that's why you're here but, but you know Arnold Palmer we said was the first athlete to you know officially have an agent why has Lamar not I mean I know you, you, I know just the the instinctive. Well, I don't want to be uh, manipulated or um, he just doesn't trust it. I, he just doesn't gotta, trust it. It has to be that. I mean, that's, I know. I, I know. That's tough. I agree. I don't know what his mother does, but if she's in some financial, thing, <coughs> yeah, yeah she, I, I, I assume she at least work. has some. Idea even what then, she's even doing. then, though, I don't think you should because. Oh, it I, brings I, emotion into it. Oh, I prefer a professional. Yes, yeah. who's, yeah. who's sure yeah. un, not emotionally involved in anything. That's the problem. But <laughs> yeah, you talk to just former players, and you just you just you just comb through and search and search. I'm not don't sign with the first the first uh, the first agent, but yeah, you know, do your homework and 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 sign sign with somebody and just try to get an ironclad agreement about yeah. how you're going to proceed but that, that hasn't I don't think that's helped him no, in this no, it hasn't. I mean I'm sure right. he could get a great agent if he really wanted if to he wanted to yeah, yeah. they'd right. be lined up All right, anyway from one mess of negotiations <laughs> to another Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders now you know there's talks about Dan's going to sell the team he's talked about selling the team when it comes to Dan Snyder right I'll believe it when I see it and Here's the first thing we need to understand. Jeff Bezos wants an NFL team. Yeah. And he's the one who could offer the most money. I'll tell you right now, Dan Snyder's not going to sell to Jeff Bezos. Because Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. And the Washington Post has done nothing but hammer Dan Snyder 
for years. Well, I heard he, he like is almost just refusing to sell to Bezos. No, he is. That's what I'm saying. So you already, your top offer, who could offer the most money for the team, is off the table. Dan Snyder will not sell to Jeff Bezos. I know the NFL would love him to. It's not going to happen. Bezos is not buying the commanders. In general, I think Snyder is trying to gain favor with the league and just trying to save face and look good. I don't think Snyder wants to sell the team. And so I think this is going to get really weird and really ugly before it's all said and done. Someone's going to have to force somebody's hand here. Either the league is going to have to stop being wishy-washy and just come out and and force his hand, or Snyder's going to do something weird at the last second and pull out of a deal that's, that's here. I think Dan is doing this to curry favor. I think Dan is doing this to save face. I don't think Snyder wants to sell the team, and unless the NFL wants to start a fight with Snyder, I don't think he'll sell the commanders. Mm. Uh, I mean, part of the reason why he's seemingly selling them is because he's under investigation by yes, I know <laughs> the federal government. So I think you know that what happens there will play a lot into the outcome of what happens to the commanders. Mm-hmm. We've speculated that maybe if the the Fenway Sports Group sell, I think it's Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because they want to want in on a football team. Maybe I haven't really seen much actually playing into that though. But uh, with the investigation thing. I I wonder how serious he is in selling. I wonder if, like, is this just a charade of, oh, documents were lost in the Trent playing to sell, sorry. Yeah. Or is he just trying to sell it to get rid of all this stuff? Almost like the Twitter, just hear someone else buy the crime scene. Uh-huh. Um, and I wonder how much is the NFL involved? Because with the whole investigation thing, uh, like a $55 million loan that was brought to the NFL's attention and they refuse to investigate it. So I wonder if they're almost like, all right, we're all in trouble here, bro. You need to sell the team. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much yeah. the NFL is pushing him to do it, asking him to do it. I'm sure the NFL is pushing him to do it. I mean, well, during I bet- the season last year, you had Al Michaels on national television well, throwing out things like, it is of my opinion yeah, the, that the that. owners would like Dan to sell the like. But yeah. it's been a little while that they've known that the NFL owners are getting kind of sick of Snyder and his crap. Yeah. But I'm wondering now how much is the NFL itself now like, all right, you got to get out of here. I'm sure they're you're about to, you're about to sink this ship. Yeah. Like get on you get on your own boat. Yeah. Yeah, you have to think that's part of it. Exactly. Commanders also were really low on that survey too of players. Oh, I'm sure. Just to just to pile on one more one more thing, but uh, I they're, they they yeah, have Dan is so cheap. They haven't. <laughs> Uh, trended high in anyone's opinion since like before Dan Snyder. They were still called the Redskins and no one had a problem with it. Yeah. I grew up watching the Redskins. It's it's sad to see the organization, you know, where it is now. But that was a legendary organization. Yeah. One of the original great franchises in the NFL. Joe Theismann and Riggins. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, Dan is the, uh, one the of f- the worst owners <laughs> in, sports. in all of sports. The for fun sure. bunch. The fun bunch. The fun bunch. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, how do you see this going, Jesse? Uh, like as I said, dramatic I, as Dan Snyder will make it. Exactly. Like, it's going to get ugly before it's over. I cannot see Dan Snyder quietly going into that good night. And I, well, actually, with <laughs> yeah. the Jeff Bezos stuff, I could see the, if they, let's say I'm right about the NFL, uh-huh. and the NFL is like, oh, you need to sell or we're all going down. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then Jeff Bezos comes along, well, I'll take it. And I could see Dan Snyder just being like, no, <laughs> and messing it up and yeah. causing way more problems. He's yeah. like, Dan, please, just sell it to anybody, anybody. Yeah. Not that guy, not that guy. Yeah. Not Bezos. I think Dan's going to do everything in his power to try and keep it, quash every deal that gets put in front of him yeah, can... at the end of the day. I just can't see it going out like that. All right. Moving on to the next topic, the Celtics. I know you're an NBA fan. Yes. What are your what are your thoughts on the Celtics this year? I mean, last year we went we're over the regular season, right? The most irrelevant thing in almost all of sports is an NBA regular season. I'm sorry, right. it is. It is. We know they're one of the best teams in the East. Whether they finish first or second, I don't care. Um, we faced the Bucks last year when Middleton was hurt. Made it to the championship, kind of got curb stomped in the end by Golden State the last couple of games. Do you think they're getting back there? What do you think is different about this Celtics team that they didn't have last year? Because I'll be honest with you. I don't see a huge difference yet. I think they turn the ball over too much. I don't think they have a true, true ball handler. And I think offensively they're good, but they're not amazing. And I yeah. worry about them going up against the Bucks in Middleton. Do you think there's a difference with this Celtics team this year, though? Yeah, those are all great points. Um they, they, they re, another thing is they rely so much on the three. Yes. Right? So they kind of almost go a little bit as the three goes. Um, they're deep, though. They are. They have a lot of they players. Are, they are deeper than last year. They have a lot of players who can contribute. Um, <laughs> and now it, now it's a question, okay, they have a young coach. Mm-hmm. He, he's, they, you know, it's a blessing and a curse having that deep team. You know, now it's combinations of players and when to play who and how many minutes and at what times. Um, and then so much is, um, you know, playing together mm-hmm. as a team. And I think, you know, back to the, I'm going back to the 86 Celtics. You know, the thing about the 86 Celtics was in the Larry Bird era, um, you know, Parrish and Dennis Johnson, they all had a role. You know, their roles were like clearly defined um, I know it's a different it's a different time now, but I think um, I think sometimes they have they have too many players and maybe play the same you know no you know the way. So I think um, you know as long as they play as a team, I was actually really um, encouraged by Malcolm uh, Brogdon was on uh, uh, um, Kevin Garnett's. Um, podcast Instagram uh, Kevin Kevin Gardett's uh, pretty entertaining uh, on Instagram but he had Malcolm Brogdon on and Malcolm was talking about how cohesive a unit they are you know about how um, you know when they have a a a, a charity event or a dinner like everybody shows up he's like this is one of the first teams I've been on where it's been like that so I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised to hear that you know sometimes it doesn't seem like that reflects on the court Seems like they're almost competing against one another a little bit for, you know, points and things. But um, they, I think they have as good a chance as anybody. But Milwaukee does pose a problem. They're going to be they're going to be tough, you know, um, and it's a long it's a long road. I mean, they still have a number of games in the regular season and then um, irrelevant, boy, gotta, irrelevant. 
You got well, I mean, it, it won't be irrelevant if people start getting I, injured and stuff I, like no, that. No, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just got to like, like, okay, sorry, bringing it back to go. It's really like staying in the moment. Like, you really can't get ahead of yourself. Yeah. You know, you never know what, you never know what it's going to take. I mean, you know, when the, when the, um, what year was it? 07, that the, the last championship, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bunch of those series went to Game Seven. Mm-hmm. I think three of the four series went to Game Seven. So yeah, I, I mean, think so. right? So you know, you have you just have to be prepared. You gotta you gotta just focus on the fundamentals. You gotta you know play together. You know maybe and, and you know this is funny. It's gonna sound very opposite of what I'm usually like with the Celtics because usually I'm more the pessimistic guy. But I'm gonna sound cocky here though. Can you see it coming down to anything more than Celtics Bucks in the East? Because I can't. I know no, Philly fans no, are going to try and say that their team is good and Harden's playing the best we he's had the last number. two years, but yeah, I, I just can't see this coming down to anything other than Bucks and Celtics. Yeah, and like you said, the Bucks are healthy now, so I, I agree with you, though. Yeah, Bucks, Celtics, and the East, for sure. Yeah, the Knickerbockers had a big win against the Celtics like a week ago. <laughs> Speaking of having I mean, someone's number, we can't beat the Knicks. I know, right? It is weird. So it might be, you know... I understand why we feel about Bucks Celtics, but yeah, it could be it could be about matchups, you know. Uh, I, maybe I, maybe I don't know exactly the, how Bucks and Seventy Sixers play out, but maybe Seventy Sixers get their number. It's it's a totally different thing once it gets to the playoffs. I'm not concerned. All right. I really am not. All right. With that, we're going to take our last quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do our final couple of segments. Jesse's going to talk about the Bruins, the the moves that they've made, and then we're going to wrap this up. Stick with us, guys. All right, welcome back. And uh, back for a little little hockey, back to the Bruins for a second. Uh, the trade deadline is actually today. It's in 58 minutes from when we're recording right now. And it's been a wild one. One of the more wild NHL trade deadlines I can ever remember. Usually it's kind of like the MLB one, too, where everything's last minute. But this has been going on for weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, it's been massive. But the Bruins, they just won again. Because mm-hmm. Don Sweeney's been in the zone for the past couple of years. I mean, you know, you had the big one. I mean, Brian said on the show he wanted Bo Horvat. That was kind of the piece that started it all for the Islanders. They did nothing since. Uh, I mean, the Rangers made some big moves with Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. Absolutely no defense brought in there. That's going to go well. Speaking of defense, uh, the Maple Leafs made a big splash with Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, Sam Lafferty, Jake McCabe, Eric Gustafson, and Luke Shen. Uh, Trading out half your defense core is probably not going to bode well. I don't care how bad it was before. But you got to do the other big splashes. Devils with Timo Meyer. Jacob Chicken went to the Senators. That's not going to matter for a couple years. Uh, you know, the West, uh, Golden Knights got Barbashev and Quick. Uh, Stars got Dadanov and Domi. Wild got Johansson and Nyquist. And the Oilers got Ekholm and Bukestad. Those are kind of the big ones. But again, despite the fact that the names aren't huge for the Bruins, Dmitry Orlov, Garnett Hathaway, Tyler Bertuzzi, what they what they represent are so the decor is now i don't want to say stacked but it's pretty deep with dmitry orlov who has had seven points in his first four games as a bruin even though that was not his mo as a member of the capitals garnett hathaway has come in made it uh 
an impact on the fourth line, which is especially going to be big now that Felino's out. Uh, and then Tyler Bertuzzi is going to come in to be more of that uh, muscle that they maybe are lacking a little bit. But despite, like, like I said, despite the fact that these aren't huge names, I love what it means for the Bruins. I said last week I kind of wanted the Jacob Chikrin. Uh, he went to the Senators, and, and I was fine with this move in the end. If this was all they did, I mean, after the injuries to Taylor Hall and Felino, I liked the Bertuzzi one. But if you just did the Dimitri Orlov and Garnett Hathaway, I loved it. The, the grit you got from that, Garnett Hathaway is such a grindy player. That'll be great for the low lines. It'll open up space for the low lines, for people like Taylor Hall when he's back. Um, and then Dmitry Orlov will just, like I said, it helps the defense score. He's a great defensive defenseman, but it also helps with the breakouts. You know, just that first pass out of the zone that just gets the rush going. He has shown in four games that he is elite at this. Just absolute, you know, 200-foot passes, tape to tape, uh, just spinorama, just throwing it to space that are just hitting right on the stick. Incredible stuff we've seen. And Don Sweeney, you can make the argument, I mean, you know, with some giant names going out there, that like the Rangers or Maple Leafs maybe won just based on names alone. But what the, was real need, Don Sweeney might have won his third straight uh, trade deadline. And, um, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to really crap on him anymore because, sure, the free agency has never really panned out for him. But, man, does this guy know how to make some trade deadline moves and make some contract signings because he signed Pasternak. Eight years, $90 million. Mm. So Don Sweeney is in the zone right now. You give him, you give him an A+. Plus? I, I'm going to give him an I'll give him an A. For the trade deadline? Wow. Because, like, you're sure, there was all, there's always that big name in the back of my head. I was like, I love Jacob Chikrin or something like that. <laughs> I, wa- I kind of wanted Patrick Kane for name alone but like but it, when you're he, when your he team, knows better when, than me when your team is gelling as well as the Bruins are oh I mean, isn't there something to be said about not throwing a big name sure in? no I've, I made that okay. point I made that point a couple weeks ago I was okay. like Bruins fans what do you want to do here like do you really want to maybe mess with this but he brought it changes in, the temperature of the room when you bring in somebody with a big name yes but you also and to do it you had to remove someone from the room that's Craig it. Smith because of the cap situation and the Bruins yeah. have said like oh we know this is a business that was a popular guy in the room but like I don't know, how can you not just be so ecstatic about what you brought in, about yeah. how much better you feel you've gotten, despite the fact that the names aren't big. Yeah. So Don Sweeney's just, he knows what to do. He, right. he knows better than me. He knew Jacob Chicken wasn't the answer. It was okay. Dimitri Orlov. Okay. Being a casual fan, what, wasn't Don Sweeney sort of, the Bruins fans were, were, were oh, saying we, he was the oh, problem. Right? I was on that boat too, especially <laughs> when he first came out, like, oh, he's, I'm going to blow it up, which was fine with uh, at first, but it was just like the draft picks weren't working out. The the free agent signings were garbage, absolute garbage with like Matt Bolesky and David Backus. I like those players, but they were just way too much money for 35-year-old men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, the trades at first when he came in, we were so cap. He, he, he inherited a team that was so it was in such cap hell. And he's, we're not out of it, but he has walked that line so incredibly well the past few seasons that I'm willing to get over the terrible free agent signings. I'm willing to get over the fact that the draft hasn't been good because there's been actually he's, he's learned things with the draft. We'll see if it actually works out when these players actually mature and get there. But it's it's getting better and then I mean with how well he has traded on the trade deadline for three straight years Taylor Hall, Hampus Lindholm and now Dmitry Orlov, Garnett Hathaway and Tyler Bertuzzi the man knows how to make a deal. Mm-hmm. And actually, as much as he's bad as giving out contracts for free agency, 
he is outstanding at getting hometown discounts from his players. This is the second straight contract for Pasternak is taking a discount. I know he's going to make $11 million average, but that's still a discount at this point. Uh, Brad Marchand, he talks into discounts. Patrice Bergeron, which, you know, not hard to talk him into discounts, but he can talk all these players into hometown discounts. He just gets them on board with it. Yeah. Yeah. The Bruins seem to be in a unique spot still where players really love to play in for for the Bruins, oh, they do. There's a, there's a culture in that room that they that I said like oh, you don't want to mess with this year, but Don Sweeney found the right the right men. Yeah, right. again, uh, that we're getting ready to finish thing up. We're gonna bring back fair and foul here. Some quick questions and decide what we think. So, uh, uh, Joe, I'll let you go first. Actually, on the first one, how about sure. this? So, fair <laughs> or foul? The Suns, after getting Kevin Durant, should be the favorite to win the West. I'm going to say foul. Hey! Okay. Yeah. Why? Well, I think it might be Denver's year. Wow. This okay. year. I, I mean, they're leading, and it's not going out on a limb or anything. Yeah. You know, they're leading the West. But I don't see, and this this was, there was some talk about possibly trading Jalen Brown um, for Kevin Durant. Um, it's just, it's hard to add somebody this late in the year mm-hmm. and be able to, to gel mm-hmm. as a team, um, is is that the answer for the Suns? I I I I, I really I question it. I think um, I think teams that have been playing together for for longer are gonna are gonna prevail over the Suns. Okay. Same question to you. Fair or foul? I'm going to actually say fair. I thought you were. Fair. Are you are you wow. recording? Oh, I'll, I'll record it. Okay. Yeah, All right. Just, just All right. I can't wait to hear. Stall for a second. Yeah. Uh, there I am. I say I say it's fair because now the other big move the Brooklyn made was trading Kyrie to Dallas. That some people say, oh, does that make them a favorite? At least a con- more of a contender. What are they like? Two and six. <laughs> yeah. When Doncic and Kyrie play together, clearly that's not happening. Now you look at Memphis. Uh, and John Moran says, oh, there's no real competition in the West. Well, it seems ever since uh, Shannon Sharp uh, made that team look like a fool, they can't win anything either. Mm-hmm. And John Morant can't get out of his own way socially. Yes. I've heard of some off-the-court stuff. This guy might be in some trouble. Now there's the Denver Nuggets that you mentioned. But have they won anything despite being a pretty good nope. team for a couple of years now like i've they, they don't really even seem to win playoff series yeah as much as um uh what's his name joe uh joe joe Chich? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's his name uh as much as he's fun to watch and he's a good player the, the team doesn't seem to to win games so i really think it comes down to phoenix and golden state and i'm gonna give the edge to durant because he's got that fact of, oh, man, I want to beat Golden State. And I know and I'm going to give him that edge, even though that might mean nothing. But to compare it to what you said about the Bruins, right? I mean, the, the Bruins are sprinkling in pieces, players that can enhance, you know, the team. And I mean, you're talking like Durant is maybe the best player on the team right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Booker, but you can make a case. But yeah, to add that to add that in this late in the year, you think you think they're going to be able to gel and oh, make a run? A, there is something to be said about stuff like that. About yeah, bringing in players late is going to work for the system. Can you have time to catch up to this system? Catch up to work with these players? Um, I just think Durant is, at least if he plays to his talent, it shouldn't matter that much. Yeah. And 
I kind of think now you could bring in a guy like Durant and he could burn the whole place down with his personality and stuff like that. But there's something to be said about a team that is not. He wouldn't do it that quickly. You'd, you'd hope not. Yeah. But a team that's not really, I guess, the standout team right now, where you bring in a player with that caliber, that can almost, that can give you a boost yourself. Like, man, we're bringing in a guy like Durant. Like, that really helps our team. Like, right. that, that can help morale. I gotcha. I am going to go foul as well, but not for the same reason as you. I'm sorry. Until you slay the king, I'm going mm-hmm. with the king. And for years, I've heard, oh, Golden State, it's finally over. It's finally over. It's finally over. Yeah. Golden State hasn't cared about a regular season in like five years. <laughs> Steph was hurt for part of the year. I know they're hovering around 500. They don't care. You think that's their strategy? Kind yeah, of they know. They're low during the regular season. Yeah, and they want to rest guys. And yeah. for a good reason, they're older. But they've injected young talent into it to be a little bit deeper. And we saw how Wiggins and Poole were last year. Now, Poole especially is only getting better. The Suns. It's not like the Suns were the second best team come playoff time last year and they were almost there. No, this is a team that got embarrassed by the Mavericks, who in turn, Golden State kind of handled easily. So it's not like the Suns were on the cusp and then added KD. I'm not saying that adding KD is nothing. It's amazing. It'll To me, it's probably going to come down to Golden State and the Suns in the West. But when you factor in the fact that this team got embarrassed by Dallas last year. Yeah, they're not exactly knocking on the door. Exactly, right? I don't care what the regular season they had last year because I know they had a great regular season. Come playoff time, they were not the ones knocking on the door. Until you slay the king, I'm going with the king. And that's Golden State. So the Suns should not be the favorite in the West just yet. All right. Can't can't argue with that. Yeah, Golden State. Do you want to say the next one and I'll start? Okay. Yeah. Get back to it. All right. So the Bears will trade that number one overall pick. So fair or foul? I think it is fair. I think the Bears will trade the number one overall pick. I think when you're an awful team, you need to go down all avenues, see what you get for Justin, see what you get for the number one pick, right? You just have to open all the doors. You have to do your due diligence with everything. At the end of the day... If this was Caleb Williams or Drake May in this draft, the Bears are not trading this pick. But Bryce Young is the most polished quarterback coming out of here. He's not even six foot. He's 194. He's not an A-plus prospect. Chicago knows that they have so much to rebuild on this team with better prospects next year in case Fields is awful and you suck again. Um, So I think the Bears will 100% trade the number one overall pick. I expect Chicago for the first time it feels like ever to make the right decision. <laughs> mm. I would second that. I would say fair. Okay. It's, it seems to me like Chicago has uh, believes in Justin Fields. They're going with Justin, and so they're not looking for a new. They're not looking for a quarterback. So now you you do need to build around him. So like you said, I think trading the number one will give them a little more flexibility to add. Multiple, multiple, multiple um, you know, players w- w- which they need. Jesse. All right, this is going to be kind of boring. Uh, we're, we're all going to kind of agree here. <laughs> I thought you were going to say foul just because the Bears aren't competently run. No. I mean, well, I, that did cross my mind. I would give you that. <laughs> yeah. But I say fair because with the rumor going around that maybe the Bears were shopping fields. Now, the Bears came out and shut that down uh, last week. 
uh, not long after the show even. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you had your little rant last week. But the fact that that rumor was going around mm-hmm. tells me that the Bears are shopping someone, something involving with the draft. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be the smart decision to trade the first overall pick for several picks, picks throughout the draft. And the smart thing, I don't really trust the Bears to do that, but the fact that the rumors were going around that a trade was going to be made with the Bears involving the draft tells me that it'll probably happen with the first overall pick. Okay. All right. So, But sure, the Bears will probably mess it up. Last one here. The Lakers will make the playoffs. The This is foul. Hey, 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 I thought you were going to say fair <laughs> just because like, no. you know the NBA wants LeBron Bro. in. Sure, that is true. But like, you can't look at this team, especially after he injured his foot. And like there's no there's there's no real path to this team. There's no real chance. Like, come on. Like, do we have to sit here and watch this team? Like ESPN the other day was like, who has a better chance to make the playoffs? Like the thirteenth seeded Lakers or the like ninth seeded uh, Mavericks? Yeah, it was something something like Jazz. that. But it was it was low seeds, and it's just like, <laughs> like come on. Like the Lakers are LeBron James, and that's about it. Anthony Davis is washed up at this point. I mean, I can't really even name like another player on that team now that <laughs> Russell Westbrook is gone. I mean, they got better when Westbrook left, though. Anyway, but then he lost. Then LeBron lost his foot, so it doesn't matter. Lakers will squeak into the playoffs. Fair or foul? Can I give it a flagrant foul? Yeah, yeah you can. You can. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. I'll say foul. It's 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 incredible to say that though. Like when you look at this team at the beginning of the season, you're thinking uh, how hard they are going to be to beat, right? With LeBron, who still has some left in the tank. With uh, I'll be honest, we we were never on that train. Really? Oh uh, no, we, we said two years ago that this was a laughing stock. <laughs> I mean, I just I for as much as this is this is like sacrilegious to say this, but. I was almost like rooting for them in a way. Like they were like too big to fail with AD, yeah. LeBron, and uh, Russell Westbrook. To, to me, anyway, being um, more of a casual observer of other teams other than the Celtics. But um, yeah, it just seems like they're too far back. And in, in, like you said, Jesse, just with with LeBron out now, I think their chances are are uh, slim. Okay. I'm going to be different than all of you. What? I'm going to go fair. <laughs> Whoa. Now, they will do nothing in the playoffs. They will get barely in. They will get into the play-in game. But Is that I, what you're counting? Yeah. But I kind of think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. I know LeBron has had the injury. There's plenty of games still to, to go, though. He'll get healthier. He's still really good. Uh, he, he, like elite. They got better when they got rid of Westbrook and at least added some shooters. Like, this is a bad team. It's not a good team. Okay. Nobody is saying that. But what's in front of them, it's not like they're way out of it here. One of what I see in front of them is not very good. The Jazz are one of the teams in front of them, and yet the Jazz have tried to say that they are rebuilding. I expect LeBron to get some rest, come back healthy enough with some of the remaining time, knowing that this team has no chance to make a championship, just caring about putting it all out for the last couple of weeks and getting them to the playoffs, knowing that's going to be a big accomplishment. I expect them to make the playoffs. Jesse. It'll be a play-in game. They're going to lose the play-in game. I expect them to just get there, though. Am I am I hearing Dom saying <laughs> say that the regular season, does it, it matter a little bit? It seems to matter at least a I little mean, bit. <laughs> For some teams, some teams it kind of matters. Yeah. What do you mean? 
Well, for, for, for here on out, for the Lakers, it matters. I mean, it matters, I mean, it matters because we all know the best that this team can do is make the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what? To me, it'd be good for LeBron's legacy. Yeah, I mean, there's still... And LeBron, kind of- and LeBron knows it'll be good for his legacy to know that he almost single-handedly <laughs> dragged this aging corpse of a team into the playoffs. People yeah. are going to be like, oh, at 40 years old, he still can do it. To me, the Lakers are scary. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. You, you, I, I don't find LeBron them scary. LeBron and AD. I, I don't know. Which, but well, they're proving me other. I think AD. AD AD is scary for the first two games of any playoff series, uh-huh. and after that, yeah. I know he'll get himself hurt. This I hate this playoff tournament or play-in tournaments. So. No, I know you do. All right, with that, we're getting ready to wrap it up. Is there even for anything for the Tommy report? Oh, there is. I thought there was. So there, Tommy report. There let's go. Is. Um, I did you hear the report about apparently why? He wants to take the time off and you not go to Fox immediately. I, wasn't it to oh, be a comedian Tommy. or he something? He apparently wants to be a stand-up comedian. I saw that. What? I Midlife crisis. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't. Except he already has the money, so like he has to do the opposite thing of buying the expensive nice car. Don't waste his money. He's um, got to he, do something that usually sad people do. <laughs> stand-up comedy. Yes, comedians are usually very depressed people. Actually, uh, it depends. Yeah. A lot of them. Some, I, I'm sure. I'll give you some. Yes, a lot of them. Um, but it's uh, I, no confirmed from Tom himself. <laughs> just heard a couple of reports going around that maybe Tom will try stand-up comedy. <laughs> I. He doesn't. To be honest, Tom doesn't strike me as a very funny guy. Uh, no, he is actually. Right. When he's shown his personality, he's actually been. It's just he wasn't funny in New England. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Yeah. You, yeah you're no joke. You don't tell jokes. But I don't know if it's the kind of comedy that you can get up on a stage and. No, I might be probably like just sitting around the campfire. Yeah. Like that's funny, bro. Yeah. Like I think I can be funny. I think you can be funny, but I don't think it's the kind of com- comedy. No, I that, can't be a stand-up. Comedian. Yeah, like I can't stand up on a stage, and it's not that kind of comedy. No. Yeah. Uh, of all the things. Tom Brady comic, I just I cannot. You you're you're blowing my mind right now. I, I no, I I'd, can't be, see I'd it. be like Bob. He's a, he could make me die laughing on stage. I'll still be bothered by what I'm looking at. Like that's that's Tom <laughs> yeah, Brady exactly. on stage telling jokes. Like that's not right. That's <laughs> yeah, not right. it's it's a it's a midlife crisis, but for someone who already has everything. So I do have one more report for Tom though. Okay, go for it. Darren Waller came out and confirmed that Tom Brady was supposed to be a Raider. In 2020. Okay. So that's be- that's the best converse- confirmation we've had so far. Because Dana White has said it, Gronk has said it, but I'm like, ah, but Darren Waller came out and said John Gruden ruined uh, Tom Brady to the mm. Raiders in 2020, which confirms Derek Carr is 100. percent Was that mother effer? That mf'er? Yes. That Brady was referring to. All right. With that, we are getting ready to wrap it up. Darwin Award. Do you want to present it? You have the thing in front of you already. Come on, you know it. All right, ready? Wait. All right, now I'm ready. All right, and drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Alvin Kamara. I mean, if you're a football fan, you know why at this point. It's a little surprising. I guess it's taken this long. But, I mean, the real real juicy stuff has come out uh, now that they're actually sitting in court and whatnot. You know, like... The the video and stuff like that. The after audio, the after beating audio where they talk and like, yeah, Alvin said he broke his jaw, whatever. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you recording that? Like, that is, that's uh, that's not very survival of the fittest, if you ask me. Alvin, so Alvin and his chipmunks, and it's not looking good for them. 
So <laughs> this does go to Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes, bro, your friends are idiots. Yeah, why are you that? That really that one really blew my mind. I get it, like you know what you're in Vegas. There probably was alcohol involved. You're testosterone filled big yeah. men, and you got upset. Doesn't that doesn't justify it by any means? Again, no. That it looked it looked horrible and looked for no real reason. And again, I'm not saying I expect them to also talk about it after. Well, that's but the, the thing. fact that you took out a phone, and in yeah. any sort of way, we're documenting this. You did this really stupid thing about just jumping someone for a, a dumb reason. But you know what? In a public place. Testosterone-filled people. This fights occur. I watched. Was it uh, Willie McGinnis beat the absolute crap out of someone on video in a yeah. restaurant? So these things happen. Mm. Not justification, but they happen. But then to then just go and. I understand discussing it after too, but someone's like, let's, 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 this is history right here. We got to bust out the phones. This has got to be recorded. Thanks. Like, thanks. Like, what are you doing? That, that, that is one of the dumber ones we've ever done. I think so. It's up there. Yeah. And I feel bad because it is like a really sad situation on so many levels. Like, they really beat that guy really Sure, I feel really bad for bad. that guy. Alvin's a, it's a fall from grace. It's a, it's a cautionary tale about who your friends are and stuff. Yeah. So it's very depressing. But listen, it's been almost two years. I I'm mean, not that I think sad. it's been enough time that we can make jokes. And the joke <laughs> yeah. is, who thought that they should record this in any way? <sighs> Bro, I'm, I'm literally, I will do nothing wrong. And I will still be just cautionary about what I write down, record, just in case. Just in case something is taken out of context, you know? Yes. If someone has an Alexa in their house, I just, I don't talk that much. I won't. <laughs> Just in case something is taken out of context and now Jeff Bezos has it. <laughs> All right. That has been it for Slow Your Roll this week. Thanks once again for Joe for coming on. Thank you very much, Joe. It's been a Thank pleasure. You. Yeah, pleasure. You, Thanks for having me. If you want to tag anything, I know, again, you're, you're, you teach. So Yes. I'm Golf sure country. I'm in Middleton um, down by Richardson's Dairy. If anybody wants to get into the game or um, improve their game, I'm, I'm here for them. All right. With that, that has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. WBC, World Baseball Classics, coming up. Great baseball. Have a great rest of your week, ladies and gentlemen.